Welcome back, Red Spotters. I'm Alexis Soto, your host today with Peter Martinez on Red Spotlight Entertainment, the show that brings you all of the latest stories coming out of the world of movies and more. And we got two big ones for you tonight. Of course, if you've been listening to our podcast, you've already have listened to last week's episode, which featured Alexis Moreno, Peter, Mar- uh, not Peter, uh, Kyle Lira, and David Francisco talking about their feelings of the Batman. And we've got Peter back tonight, and we'll get his feelings of Matt Reeves, the Batman, currently playing in theaters. Actually, will be available for streaming on HBO Max on April the 19th. So that's coming up pretty soon. And we'll also be discussing the latest and greatest coming out of Disney and Pixar Animation Studios. This is Turning Red, as well as the accompanying controversy, because what would our shows be without addressing some sort of controversy of all things in the world of movies? There is so much crap happening in the world, literally, that is, you know, people are dying, there's war, you know, there's Nazis on the rise, and yet we still find controversial things and even the most useless and mundane of issues in the movie world but hey that's what we have a show that's what we're talking about today on red spotlight number 379 welcome back peter welcome back peter oh was i gone i thought you were gone no nah, i mean you were you were gone for two weeks I know oh, you're, you're, there was a little bit of a connection issue there. I was addressing mm-hmm. the fact that you were missing okay. for two weeks. Not that, you know, the connection was paused momentarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been a, a tad bit busy. It seems that way, yes. Mm-hmm. Be less busy now, but... Um, yeah. I mean, I would hope so, because we're kind of ramping up. These le- next couple of weeks are pretty fucking big, and I'm not even talking about whatever films would be in theaters, because I'm not even in that headspace right now. You know, we're trying to think about, like, what's happening. I don't even know what's no, coming. <laughs> I don't even know, and I don't even care, because right now we've got the Academy Awards happening not two weeks from now, and then even after that... Those of us have been aware for for months now of an impending deadline that is about our top 10 movies of the year 2021. Now, the deadline that was originally scheduled, I I don't believe I divulged on air because I'm not that stupid to do that because that's obviously not going to happen. So what I, my best case scenario is uh, by mid-April, we should have that out to give people just a extra bit of time there's been some progress i have communicated with kyle and he has informed me that he has been um doing his homework and watching several films (laughs) i believe he mentioned that he saw movies like he saw malignant he saw the green knight Uh, he saw the last duel so he's been Mm. watching some he didn't say what he felt about those films but he just said that he's been watching them so there's that i guess we'll Wait to see uh, how he feels about them when we talk about this uh, show. And you know what? I got to say, I'm actually pretty pumped up for this top 10 list because for the first time, I think ever now, uh, since we've been doing these shows since 2016, you, me, and Kyle, uh, we're going to be switching up the format a little bit here. And mm-hmm. the way that it's going to work... M- much like the academies, the producer stepped in, said the ratings <laughs> were just cratering. And we, need to, we need to change it up. Although, in our case, I feel not only does it make uh, far more logical sense, but I think the results will be far more successful. I mean, as far as the Academy Awards are concerned, they're going to have the worst ratings ever. And I can't wait to see it happen because they deserve to suck because they do suck. <laughs> but in our case, I mean, personally, and this is where I, the idea of this came from, at least from me, and I, I approached Peter about 
you know, maybe retooling our, our top 10 shows because we've done, well, since 2000, we got 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20. We just did 20, hilariously enough, just a few months back. Um, that's five shows now where we've done it exactly the same, where we have like, where each person on the panel, which is me and Peter and Kyle, gets basically an hour to themselves. And it's at least it's, it's gotten so old for me where it's like the equivalent of reading off a shopping list. And it doesn't really like create much of a conversation besides a couple of comments here and there. Um, so what it's going to look like this year for the 2021, and, and it couldn't have happened to a better year because I feel like this year, especially 2021, I mean, just full disclosure, I've never seen more movies than in this last year. And I think 2021, you know, to quote, uh, Guillermo del Toro has been a fucking great year for movies. It really has been. We've been talking about that, I think, for months now. And the more movies, at least, that I've consumed, the more that's only, I, th- I think, reaffirmed how much I believe in that. So the way it's going to look like this time is usually we start off the show with honorable mentions and then we get into the top 10 lists. This is how it's going to look like. So all of us on the panel, Kyle, Peter, and myself are going to go down each of our lists in tandem. And what that means is, let's say I'm the first one that's up, and I reveal what's on my number 10, Phil. Let's say uh, it is, um, what's the movie I can use? Encanto. Encanto. Let's say it's Encanto. I was thinking of that one. Let's say Encanto is <laughs> a number 10. I reveal that. I discuss why, why it's on that list and why it's in that position and we have a conversation about it you know maybe not some people may have it on their list as well so they may they, they may choose to talk about that further down the down the road but as soon as i'm done talking about my number 10 then peter will reveal his number 10 film which let's say it's malignant and then kyle will talk about his number 10 film which let's say it's ghostbusters afterlife um, by the way, I, these are all kind of likely to happen. Who knows? I mean, these <laughs> movies I'm tossing out through, who knows? But that's to get the gist right out there for those uh-huh. of you who are listening. That's how it's going to look like is we're all going to basically hold hands and reveal our number nines and eights and sevens and six and all at the same time. And then when we reach the midway point before we get to number five and all the way to number one, we are then going to backtrack and reveal our honorable mentions, obviously. That's when we have our sponsor. Yes, absolutely. Our sponsors. Yeah. So, and I think really, ultimately, that's in that's in service to make it a far more interesting um, podcast to listen to, I would say. And, uh, and hopefully create a, a much more back and forth than just having one person read off a list. And then the other two having to basically mentally check out or tune out because the person's just going forever and ever and ever. And it's not just exclusive <laughs> to Peter and his like extra long list of honorable mentions. It happens to all of us. You know, when one person is talking forever and ever and ever, the others are bound to just tune out. And so this will help to just avoid that as much as possible. So thankfully, of course, I don't make these decisions unilaterally by myself. Mr. Martinez has signed off on all of these changes. So thank you so much. <laughs> for Why were you this. expecting pushback? Um, I expect interesting commentary out of you. And usually I do not expect unilateral agreement. <laughs> Just be right and I'll agree with you. Okay. 
Well, maybe in this case, it seems that I was. So that's our top 10 coming up. Peter, how uh, is progress? Um, it's it's happening. It's happening. Are you getting there? It's, movies have been watched. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but, the, you know, many a film. Many a film. Yeah. I mean, I I, I feel like... I'm practically done. I feel like as far as like, I still have a list of 20 movies I could watch, but realistically speaking, there's only two that I feel like are really worthwhile and catching that I'm actually excited to see. The two films were Worst Person in the World, the international film, and then also um, the other one was Inside Bo Burnham uh, on Netflix, which is a film that you've already seen. Um and one that I've been purposefully delaying as much as possible. But you know what? I also hear it's enjoyable, so I guess we'll see about that. And I definitely want to see it. So those are the two left, uh, at least for me. But at this point, I think I have a pretty good idea of um, my the 10 movies. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's a lock because things honestly are changing every single day. And these last two weeks, I have to say... I've surprised myself with what I have like put on that list. And I have to say, I think what when we actually do sit down, there are going to be some big surprises. Some movies I I myself never thought I would put in a top 10 list or would call movies that I absolutely love and adore. So I'm excited to see the reaction. That's for sure. Like, I'll tell sing you this. Too. I'll give you uh, sing. <laughs> to well we'll see right um i'll tell you give you a good example of how things have changed like in the last couple of uh when we went to go see the batman we talked about encanto Mm -hmm. and how uh you know how that film is you know you know how we've absorbed that film and how you know just trying to analyze all the different little things in our conversation i think you've actually helped me really um my estimation of the film every day actually continues to rise hilariously enough i think it actually got bumped down a couple of spots um and that has nothing to do with encanto at all it has to do with Mm -hmm. other movies that i've seen so that's something that's out there um but yeah yeah i i I can't wait to see the reactions i don't know if it's an invader zim level kind of like shock um (laughs) That you had a few years back. I don't even think that's shocking. I thought it was shocking because it... Well, for me, it was shocking because I didn't even know that movie existed. Like, I I knew the show was a thing, but I didn't even know they had a movie that they came back out with. So, that's why I was just kind of, like, stunned. I'm like, oh, that was out of left field. You know? Movies uh, are great. No, and, and you know what? I don't think... I've really appreciated movies more than I have every day of my life, honestly. Like, every day of my life, (laughs) I'm just grateful to have these things that can have some kind of enjoyment out of because um, the world isn't a great place to be. And a lot of the news is just downright depressing. And so, never have I needed really escapist devices as films uh, and stories. And I think that 2021 provided some of the best I've ever seen and some of the most that I've, uh, I've ever been passionate about. It really has been a special year to the point where it's like, it's right up there 
already for me with 2019 and 2014 as my favorite years in movies. It may even get better than that. If you need escape, may I interest you in the metaverse? Um, I think I think I've heard. Of, wait a minute, isn't that that Zuckerberg thing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he can go fuck himself. I don't give a fuck about Zuckerberg. No, hell no, no. You can like... buy virtual land and sell NFTs in the metaverse. No, no, that, no, no. That ain't me. Oh. Um, but. There are a list of things that I have been, like, escaping to, um, and I will get into that later on in the show. But there's that. And so uh, I'm hoping you guys are, like, close to getting uh, a top ten list confirmed. I really do want to make this thing happen as soon as possible because I think it really is the best opportunity for us to do this show after the Academy Awards have aired. So speaking of that, uh, about that. The Academy Awards, and I can't—I can't think for a second. It's just me saying this, but I feel like any kind of legitimate excitement and/or enthusiasm about this year's show and/or potential winners has just been completely like the air has been let out of the balloon. Because I honestly can't think of anything that's exciting there are great movies nominated there are some great movies that are going to win but as far as it's i think it's a two-pronged issue for me the the pressing one well not the pressing one well man, it, it is a pressing concern from an entertainment standpoint it just seems like it's going to be a complete train wreck even worse than last year it may not be entirely boring but it may be more cringe, and that may be even worse. Because we know what's gonna happen with the whole like Twitter poll gonna be announced on air. We know that eight oh. categories were slashed and live broadcast, and we also know, least of which Amy Schumer will be on that stage as well. And we've already been given a preview of like what material she came up with, and it just looks absolutely horrendous, cheap, lazy, and just awful. And so as far as a production standpoint, I'm not excited for a... I'm not expecting a good show. I'm expecting a disaster. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm alone in that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, um... As far as, like, the entertainment value, I can't imagine how it can be worse than last year's. Because last year was just boring. It was Except so Except the ending. The ending was like, I guess, yeah, I guess you could say the ending was memorable, but <laughs> this year, again, I might cringe more, Yeah, but I will be less bored, and yeah. I guess that's A win? better. <laughs> I don't know. For me, the thing that's, the way it should be, the thing that's always most engaging about the Academy Awards, it's like, you know, what's the race? The movies? And that's the other issue I was going to mention. Go ahead. Uh, the race this year sucks. It completely sucks. It's very boring. It, it's the power of the dog and like... Coda. Coda. 
where it's like, you know... Don't those names, by the way, just sound so vanilla? <laughs> they they sound like an Academy-nominated films, for sure. Um, They have those kinds of titles. Yeah, and like... They're just those kinds of films, man, where it's just like... I, I have no passion for either film. No. None whatsoever. So it's like, I don't care. That's like, that's a big thing. Even of West Side Story, which uh, I, I very much enjoyed the film, right? Mm-hmm. The craft. But I also, of course, have issues where it's just like the kind of film that it is. If if West Side Story was in the race, I would that would be exciting to me. That would be something because if be it, something. it's it's very unlikely next to impossible that's going to happen. But if it did, that would be the first time um, a remake. Think about this: a remake to a past Best Picture winner would win Best Picture. Is that true? It has to be true. Like, West Side Story is the most decorated, well, as far as musicals are concerned, West Side Story is the most decorated musical in Academy history. It won 10 Oscars. 1961, I mean. That's uh, the original 1960. Yeah, 10 Oscars. Um, West Side Story, I think if it's lucky, it'll walk away, this, this new version, if it's lucky, it'll walk away with two Oscars. Yeah. But I agree with you. At least that would be exciting because um, it would be kind of unexpected and shocking and then also just like a really interesting like development if that were the case. The problem with that is there's just seemingly no passion. Just to analyze the race real quickly, objectively, the way things have have really landed right now, as far as the industry and the industry are the people and, and you know the crafts and the actors and the directors and the executives – they're all put in this pot and look, they're really evaluating, um, you know, the landscape. And we've already analyzed to death about like how, you know, political and, um, the popularity contest these things are. Like, really, um, nine times out of ten, the best thing nominated doesn't win, doesn't come close to it. But you got to analyze where things are at the ground and, Miraculously, even though it only got three nominations, Apple TV's Coda, of all movies, seemingly is surging right now. And it hasn't necessarily won anything major aside from, you know, Best Ensemble at Screen Actors Guild, um, Best Film at the Hollywood Critics Association and the Critics' Choice Awards. Um, I believe that's correct, unless I may not, maybe not Critics' Choice Awards, but one of the other ones. Um. The thing with Coda that makes me think that it could win is that there's a lot of passion behind it, particularly from the people that are voting. And this is not a group of people who are above simply voting for something because it made them cry or because it was heartwarming. Um, how else do you explain Green Book? And yeah. so, and that recently happened. Not not just like that was not three years ago. So best picture it, winner of 1991 <laughs> in 2018 or 19, mm-hmm. whichever one it was. So it's very possible that it could happen. And then if that does happen, man, that's just really depressing. 
Um, Power of the Dog. Also, again, it elicits no passion or excitement for me because we've already litigated all these things. So, like, what are we left with? With, like, no real dog in the race, like, uh, with Best Picture. And you know what makes makes it even more, like, insulting to me? Like, you know what the films that are probably right behind Coda and Power of the Dog are also the same kind of milquetoast movies like Belfast or King Richard? Belfast, yes. King Richard, Coda, and Power of the Dog. And I'm like, you've These got Licorice Pizza. You've got themselves. Nightmare Alley. You've got West Side Story. You've got Dune. You've got Drive My Car. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? They're so obsessed with a very specific type of bullshit uh, Academy Award-like film. It's so annoying. It's re- And it's also more annoying the fact that a lot of the... Um, press, a lot of the awards pundits themselves are so infatuated with these films. And by the way, I see a lot of these people's podcasts and shows. They can be very critical and very bitchy when they want to be. But God help them. Like, they don't seem to... (sighs) Their love for something really gets in the way sometimes of their analysis, as it does all of us, I would say, to an extent. But... There needs to be more attention paid to the fact that the Academy just, like, picks the same movie all the time. The exact same movie. There's a reason Oscar bait as a phrase exists. Because everyone knows there's a specific type of movie or performance that plays well with the Academy. Now, to be fair, thankfully, I would say, in spite of the Academy's worst tendencies... Lately, there have been some pretty good fucking winners that are not necessarily your t- your typical Oscar bait movie, like Moonlight, Parasite, Spotlight does fit, but I mean, or or Nomadland. Those movies um, definitely would not be looked at. I mean, Parasite was the first international movie to win Best Picture of the Academy Awards. So things have been kind of changing, but still. When you look at the nominees, kind of. look at the nominees. Half of the nominees are those kind of movies mm-hmm. that, with all due respect, have no business being there. And I say that as somebody who liked Coda, who liked King Richard, who liked Power of the Dog. Well, Power of the Dog may be more so, because it was a better directed movie, but still, it's not anywhere near, I would think, the great movie a lot of people are making it out to be. I think it's good, but I don't think it's best picture worthy. Um, And I think you have... Plenty of options with Dune. Drive My Car, Nightmare Alley, West Side Story, Licorice Pizza. Those are far more exciting choices to me. But that's just me, right? So again, I it, it just... Yeah. We'll see how it all pans out, but realistically, I don't know how much we care here. So that's the Academy Awards. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to some Marvel stuff. Oh, we love Marvel. We love the MCU, except the things that aren't in the MCU. But before we get to that fucking rant, oh, let's God. start off with, <laughs> what's her name? Miss Marvel. Um, there was a trailer that came out um, yes. with uh, with Miss Marvel. By the way, Moon Knight will be uh, debuting at the end of the month. I've heard some interesting stuff. Um about some of the early reactions uh, from what I heard, the first couple of episodes of Moonlight, Moonlight, (laughs) Moon Knight, (laughs) Moon Knight, the TV show, the Marvel thing, will have no references to the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
no cameos. Good. Thank fucking God. That doesn't necessarily mean that it'll be good, but thank you. Thank you for the restraint. Don't need him. <laughs> this is a character you like, Moon Knight. Uh, yeah. You seem to be pumped up for it. Um, As pumped as I can be with Marvel right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, um, I'm not really pumped for anything Marvel right now. Listeners of this podcast will know Peter and I have not been crazy about Marvel lately. Um, that isn't to say everything's been negative. Uh, for the most part, we still come out positive on most of their projects. But I think our dissatisfaction lately has a lot to do with the fact that there is great, phenomenal stuff in, you know, from Warner Brothers in DC with the Suicide Squad and Batman and Marvel. Well, take your pick. Most of the stuff isn't anywhere near it. And even the great stuff, well, again, it's up to your personal preference, but it doesn't all come together neatly the way that those other films that are very much director-driven and even Peacemaker. That's the thing. It's like after Peacemaker, I kind of don't care. I got to be honest uh, as much about the MCU Disney Plus shows. (laughs) I feel like Peacemaker ruined it for me. It's such a better show. And I was, I, and you know what made it worse? Cause I was thinking, cause like, okay, we saw those, um, those Marvel shows and well, they started off real hot and interesting, mm-hmm. especially with a uh, WandaVision. Uh huh. It's just like, okay, this is Marvel. Uh, like, like by the time we got to Hawkeye, the end, it was yeah. just like, man, like, some of these could just be movies and even, and, and maybe they would be better as movies. And even then, I don't know how much that much better. Again, it's the same thing, not inoffensive, not terrible, just like fine, whatever. And doesn't that fucking suck? Because it seemed like, especially with when we first, when we got done with the first two mm-hmm. or even the first three, when it came to WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier and Loki. It seemed so exciting. It mm-hmm. seemed like Marvel finally cracked something that was like electric, that maybe TV was their medium, that they were going to dominate it. But then the ending of Loki happened, and then we got Hawkeye. And then when you take a step back, you take a breath, and you kind of like reevaluate all of those different shows. And you think to yourself, well, yeah, these are just movies. Mm-hmm. Like they're six episode miniseries, but they feel like movies. They don't feel like shows. And because of that, I've just like, cause I was just watching a review by Grace Randolph, like a very, not even a review, but like a preview of And she said that there were again, like six episodes. And I'm like, and then she mentioned that she saw the first four episodes by the end of the fourth episode. It doesn't even feel like how there would only be two episodes left to conclude everything. That's the problem. For me, it's like, make fucking TV shows. Mm-hmm. Use your actual shows and use the medium of television like Peacemaker did. You don't need 12, 13 episodes. You can use seven. You can do it in six episodes, but I would prefer seven or eight. Mm-hmm. I would prefer, much prefer seven or eight because it seems like what by the time we get to your finales of all of these shows, something happens where it's like, it ends and I'm like, well. It ended. It was nice. Well, I, That was nice. It was Marvel, but. The issue is, I feel like they sort of run in place for like three episodes, uh, uh, um, and, and they don't have to. This is what, like something with Hawkeye. It, it it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be. That could have been a two-hour movie, not yeah. even two and a half. Two-hour movie. So much stuff in there was just 
I don't know, just running in, in circles, just, just creating. And that, and I, yeah, like that's kind of my worry with like Moon Knight, where it's the same thing, where it's just like, I'm enjoying it, but like this doesn't need, this could have been a two hour movie. Like this could have been this, this could have been that. Um, for me, what ruins it is you see the Marvel shows and then you see Peacemaker, which is fucking great. <laughs> And then, as we will not discuss later, uh, the Netflix shows go over to uh, Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. And yeah. I'm reminded of how good that stuff was, especially the Daredevil. Like, I'm reminded good. how just how good that stuff is. Similarly, uh, though, I would I would counter, though, those and we all agree on what the problems those Netflix shows had. But the, the the hilarious thing is, at least what keeps them in common is, with some of those shows, their seasons ran way too long, and you had a couple of episodes where they were just meandering. They the thing did. is those those stories were made for a TV medium, mm-hmm. and the MCU Disney Plus shows feel like movies that are just like chopped up into six parts. Yeah, like, like they even then with the MCU shows, it felt like there's like characters and like. Developing the MC, stuff. The Netflix the or Netflix. the you gotta Sorry. be clear then okay the Netflix yeah. um like there's stuff going on like there's a whole episode where it's basically just Daredevil and like Punisher arguing I love that episode and, and it's like sure not a lot happens right but it's fucking great like 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 it's like you need that shit you need that episode um yeah. You don't have that kind of shit with with the the Marvel. It, it's just more of with the Disney Plus Marvel. It's just kind of like we're kind of running in place because we have a six episode order, but we had a two hour script. Um. So, but like going back to what I was saying, uh, the Marvel shows, and then you get to Peacemaker, you get to the Netflix stuff. And I'm just kind of like, uh, now I'm not feeling, I, I don't know how to feel about like going back to the Disney Plus shows. And then on top of that, we recently saw a film called The Batman. And I'm like, that's a fucking caped crusader, right? Yeah. That's a fucking crazy motherfucker who wears a cape and beats up people at night. So then I, it's not fair. They're not the same character. But I know watching Moon Knight at the back of my head, I'm like, <laughs> I saw the quality of the Batman and I know the quality of the Moon Knight character and where it could be, but. But it won't be. <laughs> it won't be. And we'll get, we'll touch on that. Won't be reasons why it won't be in a little bit. Um, hilariously enough, it, it just occurred to me. You're talking about the fact that because you'll have the DC, you know, the Batman movie in your mind, that you can't help but compare when you're watching the Cape Crusader the show, the, the Moon Knight on Disney Plus with Disney. This is all happening in March, by the way, uh, around the same time. It's kind of the reverse of what happened when DC and Marvel released two Versus films in 2016 with Batman v Superman and Captain America Civil War, but the reverse. Yeah, that's true. So payback's a bitch. <laughs> I mean, 
what's their name still gonna make all the money disney yeah yeah but yeah so i'm i'm trying to uh temper down expectations well it's like look it's (sighs) moon knight realistically as you mentioned when it was first announced and i'm going off on what you said not that i personally like know so much about this character but the best version of this would be a rated R version. And that's something that um, Disney will not allow Marvel Studios to do. And I'm not even sure myself if Marvel Studios even wants to go down this route, quite frankly. Because we, and look, what we've been, rev- what has been revealed in the last week is that Marvel Studios and Disney have been gaslighting us for years. We suspected it was that case, but they've been gaslighting us for years regarding whether or not Deadpool 3, which is going to happen. They got the director, Sean Levy, who directed The Adam Project on Netflix with Ryan Reynolds and then also Free Guy last year, is going to be directing uh, Deadpool 3. Sean Levy doesn't do R-rated. He's never done R-rated. Disney was like, oh, you know what? These guys work together. Just make Deadpool 3. To me, this is confirmation. That was all bullshit. Deadpool 3 will be PG-13. Yeah. I'm not saying it now, but it will be PG-13. Mm-hmm. The same way, at this moment, with reports that we've already re- we've already known that De- Daredevil, quote-unquote, season four, whatever that looks like, or another Daredevil show with um, Charlie Cox is going to happen on Disney+. Plus. We knew about that long before it was even announced that those shows would be brought over to Disney+, Plus, which there are right now. Even though Disney Plus now has the ability to have TVMA content on there, you know, they updated their settings for these new shows. You had to read, make a pin or whatever if you wanted to see these shows available on Disney Plus. Even though now that show, the old Daredevil series, the TVMA rated series, is going to be sitting on Disney Plus, they're going to move forward with a quote unquote, either a continuation or a complete reboot or most likely a not in a wink, not really, we're different, but yes, figure it out yourselves. We're going to continue on with the same actors, but be- even though we have the show there and all of those images and people can see them, we're not going to do TVMA for this new version of Daredevil. They're not. When you put When you put those two together, it's like, it really just, at least for me, ruins any and all excitement and or enthusiasm for either of these. As somebody who, by the way, I don't say it a lot because I get angry at the fans, but I do and always have loved the Daredevil show. I didn't watch season three because it came out at the worst possible moment where I was not interested in it. Defenders, I honestly left a sour note in taste in my mouth so there was that by the way in case anybody forgot i fucking adored deadpool 2 yeah you did i put it in my top 10 of that year i love deadpool 2 and so the idea and and let's not like mince words here part of what meant part of the quality of those overall projects daredevil and deadpool was the fact that it was able to go into in an area where so many of the other comic book stuff, in particular Marvel, never even tries to go into. And so the to hear that both of these two properties are going to continue on, technically speaking, 
but not be allowed to go anywhere near to where they once were is just so demoralizing to me. Yeah, be- because to me, and, and I guess what hurts is we've seen how good it can be, right? Like, we've seen peak dare- Daredevil when it's allowed to be. We've seen peak Deadpool when it's allowed to be. So now when they pull back and they're like, here are these Disney verified versions of these same characters. It's going to be like, uh, uh, like I, I, uh, there's a version in my head of Deadpool three that I can imagine hating where it's mostly just like, we're part of Disney. Now here's a lightsaber. Here are jokes about a Disney character. Like, I can imagine some shit that just makes me groan and go like, and, and and the same with Daredevil. It's like, you can do dark stuff and not be rated R. I know I just saw the Batman, but is Disney willing? I mean, if, if, there was ever a chance for them to flex that and show that it would be with Moon Knight. So I guess we'll see. They won't even do it with Deadpool. And they have other avenues to do it. So first of all, I mean, yes, Marvel Studios would be producing it, but just because Marvel Studios produced it, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the MCU. God damn it. Some people will not like let me live that down because they won't, but it doesn't have to be. But even then, You don't have to release it under that banner. You have the uh, 20th Century Studios banner where it can be R-rated. It doesn't need to be held back. Yeah. So, and then that's the Deadpool stuff. And then Daredevil, that is honestly kind of worse because you're going to have a new Daredevil. uh, First of all, I don't think whatever this new Daredevil project is going to be, is season four. I think it's basically a reboot, as in a soft reboot. Uh, it's not going to be called season four. Let's just say it's a sequel series, but not kind of. Kind of, but not like really. To where the Daredevil, point. the man without fear. They'll add some Something like, like that. It. It'll, it'll, yes, it'll look like that. It'll sound like that. But it's, I fear that it's not going to bear much of a resemblance to what it was. And it's made even, at least before, you would have the separation where the old Daredevil series was on Netflix. But now that it's not on Netflix, it's literally sitting there on Disney+. Plus. You're going to have both of these Daredevil shows sitting next to each other on Disney+. Plus. Are you kidding me? You've already gone to this length to introduce TVMA content on disney plus in this country what the fuck is holding you back oh money i guess you don't want to spend money in it didn't wasn't there an ongoing joke that it didn't cost i mean that those shows were always so cheap in the first place like daredevil didn't seem to be that expensive the cheapness of daredevil wasn't a problem where it became a problem was the other shows the defenders especially but with daredevil that wasn't so much of an issue Mm -hmm. It didn't seem like it cost that much money Disney to make. Disney does not make art. Disney makes money. There you go. Should they make yeah. art along the way, yes. that'll be nice. 
But the goal is never to make art. The goal is to make money. And a PG-13 kid-friendly version of every single character they can conceive of is the gonna make the most money. Because you can slap that character on kids' clothing. You can slap it on a lunchbox. You can do all kinds of shit, you know? Which is why it's happening with Deadpool. Yeah, for sure, 100%. And as far as Daredevil, I mean, I feel like they've already, like, uh, Charlie Cox, who's been giving a lot of interviews lately, has already been indicating that's the direction they're going to go in. Because he even said that, oh, I think a PG-13 Daredevil would work. Of course, he's going to say anything because he wants wants his job. Yes. That's what it is. Um, And also with Daredevil, (sighs) this is where... Let me, let me, <laughs> this is where I like, I go insane because when I look at a lot of the comments made by, let's just say Marvel stands of all nature, a lot of the conversation is just endlessly obsessed with canon <laughs> and it's just hypocritical. Well, it is in nature, but I mean, I guess from my standpoint, it is hilarious to see so many of these people bend over backwards and insist that the Netflix Daredevil series 100% fits into their beloved Marvel Cinematic Universe canon. All the while, of course, denying entry to some other show we'll get to in a bit. But as far as Daredevil is concerned, we don't have to, but we will. Over my dead body, we will. As far as Daredevil is concerned, I and, and I felt this way, and everything that I've seen has not swayed me in the other direction. And that is, it seems like they're just gonna go with the idea that Kevin Feige just liked um, Charlie Cox and the and the cast of these shows, and he's gonna bring them back. But as far as I'm concerned. They ain't the same show. They will feel the same-ish. Ugh. There will be similarities. Mm-hmm. There will be things carried over here and there. And you can squint back and look at that old series to see, okay, if you want to make the connection happen, it's there. But for these people who are so fucking insistent about what is and what isn't reality or relevant, you ain't going to have it both ways. you just not. Uh, I think everyone has said soft reboot. Yes, and but that means as in like they're not ever going to address the events that happen in the first maybe three not seasons. directly. But again, you they may hint at it, they may like yeah, give a sure, nod in the wink. Yes, yes. I'm saying why? There's no need for that. There's really no need for that. Because they want... What is the point of all of this? they want you to think they're part of the same story. That's the point. Of course it's the point. Except they're not. They can retroactively be made to be. You're right. At any point, that can happen. So the question therein lies, why hasn't that happened? I get... Well, first of all... All that's happened so far is a two-second cameo from Charlie Cox. So, well, I guess and Kingpin was in, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. I guess my question to you is, what's the threshold? At what point can you go, okay, 
they've officially made those shows canon. What could be done? What could be said? Me, okay. I'm going to sidestep that, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> Coward. Coward. No, no, but I'm going to explain to you why. Mm-hmm. The, as I've said many, many times, for me, I can thread the line. Mm-hmm. And as far as the new iteration of Daredevil, if they do the soft reboot and a nod and a wink, it's enough for me. Mm-hmm. My problem stems from the canon Nazis, as I call them, <laughs> and there's stringent rules mm-hmm. and how their favoritism allows one show in the club and one show consistently out. That's the problem where it is. Putting that to the side. Okay. For me, as a fan of the old series, it's annoying that they have to be so like, hey, remember this, but not really be so vague about it. I... As a fan of those seasons and those episodes, that we're, that we will start off a new series with a new costume with so many indications <laughs> of like, oh, here's something new, here's something else. Mm-hmm. It's like, what was wrong with the old stuff? It just comes off really condescending to me and annoying and overall just frustrating with these people. But again, what what's the threshold? Okay, uh, I said for me, the, well, look. We'll see what it looks like, right? I agree. We have seen but nothing. I'm telling you right now, and I've said this so many times. I'm somebody that if I want to see the line for canon, quote unquote, I will take it and it's fine for me. Again, my frustration is with another matter. With the people who, well, I've already gone off on this several different times. It's just annoying to me. It's like... All right, well, let's make all of these different choices and everything and like, yeah, but we'll make this better. And that also comes off as like, it's really off-putting to me because like, I already know. And that ultimately is my biggest issue. All we've, We already said this. Whatever they do won't be better. Then what we'll, we'll already no, happened well, Yeah, of course. But to me, that's, so that's, that's not an issue with canon. That's just an issue with, no, it's not an issue with canon, but it is my uh, issue with this overall show and with the overall yeah, approach for me, of Marvel. Like, I, as far as canon is concerned, I guess you, you know how the way I feel. Well, it's like, I don't I mean, do you care about canon? Because I no, don't no, really at the end of the day. Not. Like for me, canon is so irrelevant to me, completely so when it comes next to quality of stories. I have gone on so many tangents about canon primarily if not exclusively because so many people conflate canonicity with quality with relevance and that's really annoying and condescending somebody who is a fan of a show that was on the air for seven years that no one really has bothered to watch that doesn't live in brazil or in the uk or in south america here in the united states how every single time, again, it goes back to this damned Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing. Like, you would think the fact that now that it's on Disney+, Plus, you would think now things would start to be changing a little bit here and there. But it's like, it's just... Many people I have seen, and you have agreed to this idea out mm-hmm. there, that they will not bother 
quote-unquote, wasting their time with something unless it is deemed to be, quote-unquote, legitimate and official. And that's my issue with this whole canon thing. The only reason why I want this thing to be canon is to, well, first of all, it'll be my excuse to say, well, get fucked to all of you. Now you have to watch it. <laughs> um, Thankfully, there's no danger of it becoming canon. So. Yeah, right? No, and you know what? I think the sad thing is, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and I feel like this year, I mean, I don't personally find it funny. That's just kind of sad. Because I think this year, when all the projects are said and done, I think it's going to be quite clear at this point what it's going to look like. And that's just, um, that's just deeply depressing. Because by the time this year is over, everybody's going to get their chance to be in the club. There are people now literally retroactively going back because of this multiverse thing. The Raimi films, the X-Men films. Of course, they get to be MCU canon, right? Of course, they get to be included in of all course. of this. But by the, when it's all said and done, it seems the only fucking thing that will never, ever, ever, ever be allowed in is, of course, those damned Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ever. And if rumors are correct, even... That those Fantastic Four films that everyone hated will be canon. Not even that. You know what's even worse than that? Mm. And I saw this, and this is hilarious. And I asked this rumor of you a few weeks back, and you kind of dismissed it. But it's still there in the ether. And I feel like Grace Randolph, of all people, and we know she knows who's going to be in that movie, hinted at this. When she said about... uh Maybe they're not so dumb with Inhumans. Anson Mount from that garbage Inhumans TV show. If he gets a fucking cameo in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, I am going to fucking kill people. I am going to go on a murder spree. Very You're relevant telling to me the film. Inhumans. <laughs> fucking the Inhumans TV show. Gets something before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. At that point, how can you not take that personally? I would love it. How am I not supposed to take that personally? Really? Of all things? Because you didn't make the show. Does that imply that people who did make the show should take it personally? Because I think they have. Oh, they absolutely have. Chloe Bennett has taken personally for all these years. Yes, she has. That's very funny. It's just like, hey, what the fuck is up? Like, you can't make this shit up. Anson Mount, from a failed disaster of a TV show, gets reeled in to have a cameo, probably part of the Illuminati, um, in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Like, it's just like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm, I, I don't know why I feel bad sometimes, like, sounding the way that I come off, but it's just so fucking annoying and aggravating, insulting, demeaning. It's like, what the fuck do I have to do? <laughs> again, Literally, again, what the fuck? You did not make the show. I don't understand the relevance of that. Because you said, what do I have to do? You have to do nothing. What do I have to do to catch a break with this show? I don't have to do anything. But like, what is it going to take? Maybe is a better question. Maybe people just don't like the show. That is <laughs> habitually false. You like the show. Kyle likes the show. Mm -hmm. 
Look at the analytics. The show is very popular all over the world. What you just said is a damned mistruth. Maybe in the United States it wasn't popular, but everywhere else it was. And we have the data to back that up. You know, <laughs> and that's also part of the misinformation out there of this series. I've been trying to put together who you remind me of, and I think I figured it out. You are a Snyder cultist. So about this Miss Marvel trailer. What did you think? Uh, did you watch it? Yeah. It's a great song. Isn't it? Ooh, I'm blinded by the light. I would not have expected that song usage for a trailer. I think it works really well. It does, doesn't it? It does. The floor is yours. Oh, it's my. It's for me. Yeah, for, it was made pretty for clear. Moi. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can't respond to being called a terrorist or a cultist. So <laughs> I guess the floor is yours. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Like at that point, it's like okay, it's a moot point. Your response should be like, "Wow, that's a great point." I have now reevaluated, and I'm here to thank you for such brilliant insight. Well, that's not my response. Oh. In fact, I'm actually quite hurt by that comment. But oh, continue okay. with what you were saying. Um, what's very funny because I mentioned earlier about scene one type of thing and then the uh, the marvel version coming out and being like mm, the marvel version i don't know about the marvel version in comparison to this other thing and uh, one film that i had seen this past week is a film called in not i was gonna say inside out uh turning red and <laughs> i and i feel like there were a number of similarities between turning red and um this film or not this film this show miss marvel and again it's that thing of like just a sneaking suspicion that turning red kind of did everything that miss marvel is gonna do except better and i i love miss marvel i love the character the comics are great um, they they ended up doing a big change with her powers that a lot of people are kind of have issues with. Um, but beyond that, like, I think the lead actress is great. I like that there's some level of like, this looks interesting as far as like the camera movements are trying to be somewhat stylistic. But again, like the level of style comparatively to Turning Red it's just a lot higher than turning red so i i don't know i think it was a well done trailer um i'm really hoping for the best because i really like miss marvel as a character and um but i'm unsure very unsure what about the power change did you like how that looked uh, no so also what are what are her original powers she has the the powers to like they're called embiggen or she calls it that she can mm -hmm. just sort of like shift her body so she can make right. her hands huge she can make her legs super long 
it, it's somewhat on the page looks similar to uh mr fantastic with like stretchy mm-hmm. get big small powers i hear many speculated that was part of what motivated the change i would assume so as well i don't believe it but well maybe that's part of it but i don't believe that's what happened really okay um i guess for me like one of the big uh, to me and again this it's this is why i was like oh my god it's so much like turning red because the powers they kind of were off-putting visually because she again she would morph her body in in big and small ways and people would comment like it's kind of gross um <laughs> i think even wolverine was like i've seen some weird shit but I, your your power freaks me out um and it was this thing of like learning self-acceptance right as mm-hmm. far as like her power does look goofy and weird but it's about accepting herself in that sort of way. Like when the the first night that she turns into Miss Marvel, she literally physically changes her appearance to become a white blonde woman. Um, because she, because that's what she with her power she can morph, and she looks like a a young white blonde woman because of her sort of fan love of miss marvel and this idea of like that's who heroes are they don't look they look like her they don't look like me right and and that sort of takes her on that journey of self-acceptance um so at least for me i feel like the powers are pretty vital to that sort of journey and if this, and if it seems like they're just sort of giving her like uh, everyone calls it like Green Lantern power, and Green Lantern is just like anything he wants to construct with his mind, he can do it with the power of the the ring. So if he wants to construct a sword, a you know he'll construct a green sword and then he'll use it to fight. If he wants to construct uh, a shield or or a wall of shield, he'll do do it with. And, and that's what it seems like it is. So it's like her her hands, she, her embiggen powers are just constructing um, energy versions with her hands. Because you saw like she was blocking um, gunfire by creating a, a, a wall, an energy wall. And another one, she's walking through the sky again by stepping. So it, it's... It's very different. And I think some people are like, well, it makes sense because Miss Marvel or Captain Marvel has energy based powers, and now Miss Marvel will have energy based powers. And it's kind of, I don't know, makes more sense. Um, but I don't care because I like Miss Marvel. I've never given that much of a shit about Captain Marvel. Um,. So to me, it's it's a bigger deal than I think is what some may think seem on the sur- see on the surface if they don't know anything about the character. Um, anything else? Um, does it come out this year? Uh, June. Okay, I just wanted to see. I've got uh, at least three major issues. Um, the trailer was good. 
The first of which of my problems happened to be, well, it's Marvel. And quite frankly, looking at Moon Knight and Miss Marvel and She-Hulk and Secret Invasion, I don't give a rat's ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't give a rat's ass. Like, I just, I feel no excitement. And I'm off-put, quite frankly, um, by a lot of things Marvel these days. Generally, I'm not that whelmed by any of it uh, on paper. And then you add in the other elements with fans in particular and the things that they, you know, mm-hmm. the things that they like and the things that I like end up like pushed away. It's just, it's off-putting. But generally speaking, you are right about that. It's like, well, it's going to be the Marvel version of this and it's not going to be the best version it could be. So there's that, that, that brings it down. The other aspect of this happens to be, um, this is a character whose core foundation happens to be that she's a big fan of Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers. And who would be a fan of her? That's the thing. Like, I'm talking about the cinematic universe here. Carol Danvers had one film that completely failed to set her up as a character. They completely failed to go into her power set, like, and how that, like, or her identity, and no one likes her. Like, she's just no one's favorite anything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so we're going to go to Miss Marvel, who it's like, and I kind of feel like on, on some level it's like, why does she like Carol Danvers? We haven't even seen what she is to this, like, universe. All of a sudden she's a celebrity. Oh, okay. I don't feel that. I don't like Captain Marvel. So that already kind of makes me feel like, okay, well, I don't know what you see in it, but whatever. And again, that's like on, that's, uh, on, that's completely on Kevin Feige. Yeah. That's completely on him I, I, for failing to do um, that. Yeah, 100%. They, they, that's another one where it's like, that could have been interesting. And then they failed spectacularly. They were like, oh, it's a period piece. It's in the 90s. They show one fucking blockbuster and they make an internet joke and, and they think they they made a fucking period piece. Um, <laughs> so fucking lame. Um, which, by the way, <laughs> the actress who plays Miss Marvel gave um, Captain Marvel the film like two stars on Letterboxd. That's hilarious. That's so funny. As it deserves, yeah. which only reinforces the idea that a certain be- a certain movie that came out last year being Marvel's first Rotten Tomato score rating is is just stupid on all levels. Yeah. Cuz when when Captain Marvel came out, everybody was like, "Uh, this is this is all right." Right, guys? Now, anyway, let's go let's get ready for Endgame. Th- that was the That's whole what thing. happens. It's like uh yeah 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 um it, it's a nice setup for her to appear in Endgame like I, and I think that's what's happening too is like so much shit people would just like push to the side with these films because it's like no 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 it's it's a, it's coming together you know it, it's all part of it's it's all it's a piece it's that's what happens when you see every movie as a as a TV episode yeah. of a long standing series instead of as an individual film. Mm-hmm. That's the problem there that creates that mindset and that mentality. Because then it's like you get there, but then you turn around and it's like, well, how many of those pieces are just fucking lame (laughs) Um, or just not great? Quite a bit at this point. Yeah. 
but that's why I feel like people are a little harsher because it's like there's no we're not building towards anything like people with Black Widow are like like we're not building towards anything like it already happened so I I think in the future especially once we get past this like multiverse shit if they haven't made a very clear um goal then you're gonna start to see more and more complaints and then my last issue with this and um here's the thing so no one's mentioned at this point that part of Kamala Khan's origin in the comics is that she's an inhuman. Peter, is that the fact that she her identity is part inhuman in the comics? Is that a big part of her character? Yes. Or the fact that this the fact that this was changed in the series can be easily overlooked. I mean, they completely overlooked her power set to begin with. So like, overlooking the fact that she's inhuman, I think, will be a cakewalk. Um, but in the comics, she's like the only inhuman that works <laughs> everyone's favorite inhuman basically uh that's successful yeah it what's difficult with her character she's a newer character and her origin is tied up in into a lot of comic uh gobbledygook because those original yeah. superhero characters they were just making superheroes right so so they have very standard superhero origins so like not it's not marvel but like batman Parents murdered in an alley, wants to fight back against crime, becomes the bat. You know, the the, the standard superhero origin. Spider-Man, bitten by a radioactive spider, uh, you know, becomes Spider-Man. With, with Miss Marvel, what had happened is at, at the time, there was this big um, event. I think it was called Infinity. And it's because Thanos, or, or most of the Avengers were off-world fighting some invasion that, that was taking place far, far away from Earth. And Thanos was like, Earth is Avengers-less. Now's my, now's my shot. So he invades Earth yet again. And... One of the big things was uh, Adelan, which is home of the Inhumans, was floating above New York at the time. They they had gone off the moon and they were floating above New York. And the reason why he was on Earth is because he was looking for his son, who was an Inhuman. So he goes to Adelan and he tells, what's his name, Black Bolt, bring like some Bible shit. Uh, bring me the heads of all of your citizens' ages, like, I don't know, 15 to 25, however old his son was supposed to be. And uh, in response, what Black Bolt does is he screams at him, you know, with his whole force, destroying the entire city and causing it to crash into the ocean. And when it crashed into the ocean, it released a massive Terrigen mist that that mm -hmm. floated across the Earth right. and created thousands upon thousands of Inhumans. Why did they do this? Because Marvel Studios no longer had the rights to the X-Men at the time. So what they were trying to do is to turn the Inhumans into the X-Men. 
by creating thousands and thousands of humans like that. And Miss Marvel just so happened to be one of those many thousands of inhumans that was born. You know, she was she was walking home one night and that Terrigen mist happened to hit her as she was walking home when she had snuck out to go to some party. And then, you know, that's when she becomes. So dare I ask, Peter, then why is she not an inhuman in the Marvel Studios version? Because they got the rights back to the X-Men. And they, and, and they told the Inhumans to go fuck themselves. Kevin Feige never wanted to make the Inhumans movie. I think that was clear. I think that was the, the one film that was forced upon him. And he was able to get it unforced upon him. And onto a shitty show that he had nothing to do with so he didn't give two shits. So, yeah. If anything, maybe changing her power set had more to do with I don't want any hint of Inhumans uh, near my fucking Marvel Universe and less to do with uh, uh, Mr. Fantastic. I think that's the reason. and But you also know what that means. Where else were the Inhumans? The- that whole Terrigen outbreak that you mentioned mm-hmm. in the ocean, that beat for beat. Not the city falling into the ocean, yeah. but that happened on a little show called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It did? That was a big part of the series. I remember. Where there were Inhumans in the main cast by the end of the series, but the main character wasn't Inhuman. So, that seemingly, <laughs> the, this decision for this character who I have no connection to, the whole idea that they've changed this entire premise around them not wanting to acknowledge Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the Inhumans. You know what? I you never know that disgusts even and that insults thought me. about it, but I guess that Miss Marvel could have been the perfect connection to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's why I'm pissed! I, did, I, I didn't even occur to me till right now. I guess, yeah, I guess that's true, yeah. That's why it's like, well, why? Literally, why? It's like every, like, we're, we're, anything, any little thing that could be a connection. Nope. Yoink. Just take it away. That ain't happening. And in spite of all of this and Kevin Feige's hatred of the Inhumans, Anson Mount, really? <laughs> I, okay. I, I, I'm willing to make some sort of a large bet that he is not. In fucking um, the the Doctor Strange, I would have agreed with you, but um, I don't I don't fuck with Grace. Like she, um, I, she gets some. I just, I'll show you the clip. Okay. I will show you okay. the clip I was talking about when, and then you'll see what I'm talking about because I think the hint was there, and you connect the rumors because she also hinted that Deadpool would be in Doctor Strange. I 100 percent can see that. Yes, yeah, so. I think it would be quick. It, it was, yeah, a cameo. Yeah, an actual cameo. That's a supporting cameo, role. But, but just to say, like, he's kid-friendly now. He's in the kids' films. Yeah. I can see that. So as far as, like, Miss Marvel, because of this, go fuck yourself. Anyway, let's move on to what we saw this week. Um, I rewatched Licorice Pizza. It's an amazing movie. It is hilarious. It is sweet. I hope you see it. I hope a lot of people see Licorice Pizza. It's now on on digital VOD. One of the best films of the year. Oh my God. 
it was like that's a movie right there i also saw the documentary being james bond daniel craig daniel craig because it came on the no time to die bonus features um and it honestly it's it's good but it's also uh pretty sad because not that it's sad in nature but just like it's only 45 minutes and they gloss over everything and it's all just kind of like this is like this this could easily be a two-hour documentary but it's not about Daniel Craig and him being James Bond. And a lot of things, it just feels rushed and incomplete. Mm. So, I enjoyed it, but it is what it is. I also saw um, Parallel Mothers, starring Penelope Cruz, the new film by Pedro Almodovar. Um, it's a really interesting movie. It's a wonderful, like, a switched-at-birth narrative drama, but also with some other stuff that's exclusive to... The people of Spain, that's kind of interesting. So I really enjoyed it. I also saw the movie Mass. Um, oh, yeah. Wonderful. Per- yeah. I guess I saw uh, it too. I completely yeah, forgot. Re- <laughs> you did see yeah, it? Yeah, I did. I did. Interesting. Reed Bernie, Martha Plimpton, Ann Dowd, and Jason Isaacs. Powerhouse performances. Wonderful monologues. The emotion, the power. It is, it is, uh, I mean, the whole movie is these two couples hashing it out because their sons, one of their sons killed the other one. Oh, you gave and it that's away. just, that's not a pleasant thing. I did give it away, huh? <laughs> Oops. Oh, well. Anyway, that's, that's a movie. That's the film right there. Like, what the fuck is that going That really on? is. But it's a great fucking movie. Um, power, powerful <laughs> performances that seemingly also got overlooked, um, which is par for the course. You know what's crazy? You know what the director is? Cause I I don't Frank Kantz right I don't know why I looked it up. Um, he is he's the the goofy stoner from uh, the Cabin in the Woods. Is that so? Yeah, that's uh, that's good for him. <laughs> good for him. Got a I don't know if I got nominated. I have to assume I got an Oscar nomination for screenplay. It should have. Really. Yeah, I think it should have. I'll have to look that look that up. But I mean that that should win. Anyway. Uh Drive My Car by Rusuke Hamaguchi. This film is nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, uh, Best Screenplay and International Film. It is the length um, of a road trip. <laughs> it is literally three hours. Starring Hidetoshi Nishijima. Um I love, love, love this movie. It's kind of a sleeper where it's like you watch it, and it's like, I really enjoyed that, but it really surprised me how much it resonated and how much I'm still thinking about it, I think, you know, two weeks later. It is deceptively a quiet movie, but I have to say, mesmerizing and magnetic and some of the most authentic slash captivating conversations ever put to film. It's a great movie. Um, it is a movie about grief. But not a sad movie. So that's a plus. Or it's not like where mask mask can be pretty depressing. Whereas Drive My well, I mean not overwhelmingly, but still it's I guess it it's, depends it's, who it's you are. It, it, depending on the person, it can absolutely be overwhelmingly depressing. Sure. For me, not so much. And dry yeah. No. But uh, but moments mm-hmm. they're like, oof, this is kinda hard to watch. 
Um, I'm saying like Mass is not is nobody's idea of a fun movie to see. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Drive My Car is very. It's much more subtle. The performances are much more subtle, but it's also more genuine. You need to see. Have you seen that one yet? Um, I need the time, but I will. You need the time. You need to see Drive My Car. You need to see Licorice Pizza. Those wonderful movies. Uh, of course, I'm watching Agents of Shield, the show nobody cares about on Disney Plus, since it just dropped in Disney Plus. So I may be the only one in the world doing that. But that's true. That's me. Um. Uh, last thing, I also uh, made some new purchases. I acquired West Side Story on Blu-ray, you and did. it is a beautiful Blu-ray disc, a Target exclusive one. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's, it's so good. It's the definitive version, as most Target exclusives are. And I also acquired a Batman, the Batman poster, the Batman, the Batman. That's by Matt Reeves. Such a weird coincidence, because the <laughs> other night I opened my door. And just randomly, I probably by magic, there was a uh, the Batman uh, poster there. It's pretty... right, but it ain't the same one. I no, got. no, no. It's not the same. Mine's better, but it's it's pretty. I would say mine is better, Ooh. but I mean, because at least I put mine on display, and it's in a very beautiful well, place. Well, who says I do not? You do. You've said it on many times. You don't put any of your posters on display. I'm like a dragon. I I I just okay. I hoard the gold. I don't spend it. Anyway, that's uh what I've been up to. Um Yeah. Great. Um so, what about you? I I saw mass. All right, great. Let's get to our first review. Turning red. If I am not mistaken, uh, I want to say this is the 23rd animated feature by Pixar Studios, is Pixar Animation Studios. I want good. to say it's the 23rd. Um, I, I, I very well could be mistaken, but I, um, you know what? I, I don't even know. Um, quite a, <laughs> it could be, could not be. It's, it's in the low 20s, I want to say. Um, t- turning red here. Um, and it dropped on Disney Plus late last week. And it is a movie. Okay. All right. So let's let's talk about this. Turning Red. Directed by Adom Shi. I probably said that wrong. My apologies. Are you really sorry? I- as sorry as I can be when it comes to this. So, you know, I don't know. Growing up is a beast. 13-year-old May is experiencing the awkwardness of being a teenager with a twist. When she gets too excited, she transforms into a giant red panda. Yeah, the description's pretty on the nose. Uh, Yeah, I would say so. Starring... Rosalie Xiang, Sandra O, oh, Ava Morse, Hyne Park, Matre Ramakrishna, Orion Lee. Okay, I'm just going to butcher all these fucking names. I don't want to do that. Uh, directed by, you know, I, I already said her name. She also directed the short Bow, which played before uh, Incredibles 2. 
That's right. I also want to say it won the Academy Award. Wait, is that right? Award, I was that... just guessing. Did it really play before no, Incredibles th- 2? No, yeah, you're oh right. Oh my god. Yes. I think you are. And even if you're not, it won the Academy Award for Best uh, Short Film. It did. I really liked I don't know if we ever talked about it. We must have. We should have. Yeah, yeah it's great. I, really I love it. it. So, turning. It's red. probably better than the Pixar movie because I can't remember the Pixar movie. <laughs> I, I remember watching <laughs> Bow. I don't remember what movie it was in front of. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, turning red. Uh, Let's just say this, this movie really came out at a very interesting moment um, for. Um, Disney and Pixar and their relationship with Oof. each other. Yeah, that's true. Really, and I'm not oh. just talking about the pandemic and how Disney has like shafted them and put them on on a streaming service the entire time. That's just the tip of the of the iceberg. Yeah, Pixar has come out pretty boldly and and said Disney's full of shit. They don't. They don't. <laughs> Can you believe that happened? I mean, they were very upfront, like. Uh, we've had scripts with awesome representation just come back fucking representation book. for the lgbtq community yes, especially specifically the lgbtq community just fucking ripped to shreds by you know at disney's behest at, yes quote at disney's behest because they don't want to and you know what this isn't new like there's no <laughs> i remember um the creator of fuck the with the two kids in the forest what's it called God damn it. Which forest? Uh, it, it's a cartoon show. Um, Two kids in the forest. <laughs> it's not good. It, Gravity Falls? Gravity Falls. There it is. Um, <laughs> is it Mike Rianda? Oh, I can't remember his name. Because Mike Rianda was from Gravity Falls and he directed Mitchell's Versus the Machines. But I can't remember if he was like the actual creator mm, of Gravity Falls. I don't think he was the creator. I will look it up right now. Like you were, okay. Go ahead and you were But saying. I remember specifically the creator of Gravity Falls. I think he even said this on Twitter. He said this somewhere. Where he's like, like yeah, I had specific characters in that show that were supposed to be gay, and Disney just said no. They didn't let me do it. And I remember he kind of just said it in kind of like, fuck them kind of way. Like, uh, I, and I, and this is, I don't know how Disney doesn't know that the people that like love Disney. Work for them? Well, work for them. And work for them specifically are fucking gay as shit. And I say that very respectfully, but they are very. You say that lovingly, lovingly as Chloe Zhao would but say. But they are incredibly gay. Um, I have you ever seen the Disney obsessed millennials? Okay, it, it is. They look like they've jumped off a pride parade. Okay, like is it's, <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how Disney thought because especially. Uh, oh, I guess I they could've... sell pride merchandise in their parks. Well, yeah, so they well, have Mickey ears that are pride. Right. Yeah. Um, and then to the Christians, oh no, it's, it's a Jesus rainbow. Uh, I, I did watch a little bit of this because it immediately started playing after the film finished turning red. It, it's like, first of all, it was actually really cool. I don't know if you saw it. You should see it. I meant uh-huh. to, but I have the documentary yeah, the of little, the making of the movie. Uh, yeah. Documentary making of, cause they, they kind of get into the lives of like the top brass making the film because it's like, it's not only that it was the first like woman director on her own directing a Pixar film, but was it? Yeah, it was. Oh damn. That's right. Brenda Chapman was supposed to be the first literally over 10 years mm-hmm. ago, but she was replaced by, uh, somebody else with Brave. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's why no wow. one gives a shit about Brave anymore. Um wow. but yeah, but not only it was like all the tap top brass creatives were all women. Like um wow. all and I shouldn't be wowing, yeah, but I mean yeah, I am because yeah, that's just weird. Yeah. I mean, weird yeah. as in, like, that's just not what we're used to. I mean, it should have been the entire time, but now that, that it's actually happening, it's like, wow, maybe there's some progress being At made. Pixar. It looks like. <laughs> They're like, Shh, Disney's asleep. Sneak in the gaze. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I think it's, like, the the, the lead, or, or the, the producer's a woman, the and then, like, the, the chief animator is a woman. She's a lesbian. And, and like, like, cause they literally get into, it, it's like, oh yeah, like I just, you know, had kids for the first time and my wife is a firefighter and, and, and like uh, stuff like that. And it, I was like, that's pretty badass. Um, like, like the, cause they, they would talk about like, you know, just all the creative stuff like, oh, like, okay, there needs to be smoke here. And, and when they move, they need to move like, like just getting into the nitty gritty, but then also going like, hey, this was during a pandemic. And uh, yeah, like one of them, I think, was pregnant during the the whole time that they were not the whole time, because obviously these films take years and uh, babies only take, uh, I think, what, two months to be born. Um, I don't know. I'm bad at math. But you know, she was like, oh, she was pregnant through this. So, yeah, like they, they really push that. And, and again, like I miss Moreno. She has worked at Disney, <laughs> not, not at that position, but in the parks and, and stuff like that. And um, she could probably tell you the same thing, like very diverse, uh, young Disney lovers, I guess, sort of make up the core of the the, the Disney cult, as I lovingly call it, <laughs> uh, but not respectfully, lovingly, but not respectfully, Th- that one not respectfully. So the fact that Disney didn't realize that they would get shit for this eventually like eventually would blow up in their face like spectacularly so is insane to me and what pixar did i thought was uh you know pardon the pun brave and hmm. i i love to see it i don't I, don't, I, I think it's great and and also it's about fucking time too. speaking of the film there's a lot of great forward pushing things in turning yeah. red but uh-huh. at the same time and it sucks but there's so many instances where i'm like 100 percent, they cut some lgbt shit from this film 100 several characters yeah for sure and, and that's again like it's 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 one thing to go like, hmm, maybe this is this. Because you remember we speculated with Luca, like, oh, maybe they were looking at this. We don't really know. But Although, again, to be clear, that Enrique Casarosa yeah, no, I believe him made when it very clear. He said that was just a friendship thing. But I'm talking about how, like, yeah. it, was, it, it wasn't like... By the way, he, he didn't say that it's not bad if that's how you took yeah, it. Yeah, 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 no, but movie. he's just it's saying when he was thinking of it. You know, if you want to take yeah. it in, in a different way, it's art, right? Like, right. you can yeah. But, you know, it's just while he was making it, he was looking at it specifically a different way. But here, it's because this came out right after all that other shit blew up. It's so obvious that you can see, like, oh, there was definitely supposed to be this kind of stuff in here. And it was. Coming. And you saw the news this morning. Did I? What happened? About Lightyear. Oh, yeah. Where they lit- They had. 
they had a Rise of Skywalker uh, lesbian kiss <laughs> in the background, probably, for two seconds. And then even that, they were like, no, we got to cut it. The Rise of Skywalker didn't do as well as we wanted. It was clearly because of the gay kiss obscured in the background for two seconds. So they cut it out. And, and the hand wringing against them uh, caused them to put it back in. Yeah. Which, okay, I'm going to say something and you don't have to jump on it. It's just, I need to say it. Cause I don't mean to push this off course somewhere else, this discussion, but I kind of have to say it. It's Red Spotlight. It wouldn't be that show if it wasn't for getting pushed on a side tangent. I mean, hell, let's do this it. This is what pisses me off when people bitch about like, oh, my freedom of speech, right? Like <laughs> when people boycott a company, it is not send quote unquote censorship the reality is when we talk about censorship it's the government cracking down on you or putting you in jail or doing a, a lot of the shit that's going on in russia that's censorship okay uh a, a group of people angry with the practices of a company so they push them to change that is not censorship that is the epitome of free fucking speech and and, and you in harnessing that power that you have using your free speech so the fact that everyone came out, well, not everyone, obviously, but a lot of people came out and were severely fucking pissed with Disney and pushed them to change. Um, and then they did in some instances, obviously they're not one, they didn't do a 180, but they had, there is a movement in, in a positive direction because people were angry, came out and demanded change. That is again, free speech. <laughs> and it is not, um, it is, it is the exact same as if someone comes out and says, we want Tucker Carlson off the air. That's not censorship. That's using your free speech to push for something, uh, for a company to make a certain decision that better resembles the cust with the, with the customer wants, right? That's right. the free market. That's free speech. That's all this shit that a lot of people claim they like, but then when it bites them in the ass, they cry about it. Um, and a lot of these people, they don't just cry about it. They're also complete hypocrite as they are with any other yeah, issue. Sure. I mean, these people bitch about cancel culture and then, you know, and get, them getting canceled because, oh, let us be homophobic mm -hmm. and racist. We know we're bad, but we deserve to live too. That's how they are. Meanwhile, at the exact same time, when they get control of legislators all over the, the mm -hmm. states, the United States, what do they do? They limit free speech. They limit it. They, they limit the ability for people to live. Like all every time in every state we talk about, talk about Texas and Florida. Well, this Texas, is about the Texas the other Florida state. bill. Well, well the, the Florida thing was the don't the don't say gay thing, which yeah. literally prohibits the discussion of the existence of gay people for teachers and students in the third grade level and lower. But then in Texas, what the governor did, which was literally form a Gestapo to hunt down the parents of transgender children and prosecute them for quote unquote child abuse. Gay Gestapo. I just had to, sorry, sorry. Dark humor. I had to throw it in there. Um, but no, but, but you're right. That's exactly what they did, right? And, and this is very- Florida made it more legal to run over protesters. Yeah. They literally said, like, uh, they literally lowered the, um, I, I, what's the word? Um, the threshold for what you would need to just run over fuckers because they, they got mad at people protesting. These people fucking hate free speech they hate there was it. a bill 
introduced in some legislature. I can't tell if it was Arizona or Texas or Florida anymore, but this this bill introduced the idea that a woman that got an abortion should be charged with the death penalty. The death penalty. But 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 uh, kicking them off uh, YouTube or Twitter—that's that's Nazi Germany. It, it, it's it, fucking ridiculous, fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah, that was <laughs> that was my little off course thing going on. Um, uh, so. What were we even talking about? Turning red. Yeah, I don't know how to bring it back from that. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> well, the Disney uh, and it blowing up in their faces and everything. And yeah, it's just that the fact that this movie came out at this time is pretty ironic. Um, but yeah, um, I think we can leave that there and go back to the film. But then again, there's another controversy with this movie. Well, not really. Well, there's a controversy specifically with this film and how the reaction has looked like. And we'll get to that. But I just say that for me, this is, like, I got to be honest with you. Like, immediately, almost from the first five minutes, I'm like, this is great. This is amazing. It's not going to go downhill. And it kind of didn't for me. Like, I have to say, like, full force, like, I'm loving Disney animation right now. I'm loving Pixar animation in particular. Wow. What a turnaround from just a few years ago. What a complete turnaround. The quality has really, in my view, gone up through the roof, kind of reaching new heights for me. I'll be honest with you. This is the most innovative. This is the most original. Both of these studios have been in over a decade. And I am loving it. And I'm here for it. For better or for worse. You know, we've had various examples of like, you know, differing quality, shall we say, but I'm appreciating all of it. I really am. And I love that these are different stories told by different people. And you can tell in the execution and overall delivery of these stories, you can tell that the people who made Turning Red were very much authentic from that community. And it's just just like it shows all over the movie. The film in and of itself is kind of a character. I... Look, it, it is, I love that it's got style and I love how much in your face it is about it. And I love the humor. Ultimately, the genuine heart to heart stuff as well here. And there was this wonderful tweet out there by Ian, I believe, Ian Wilmont from Fresh Baked. And it kind of blew up where it really, it really just encapsulates the film where it's like the, the movie isn't about like learning how to like hide away your cringe but to, or not getting rid of it, but to not let that, you know, get in the way of living your life or letting that be something that brings you down, something, something to that effect. And I think it's a beautiful message at the end of the day, but it's also just an entertaining as hell film. It's just a wonderful, unique story. The fact that we have these, the story just basically about what elementary school aged or, or preteen girls. And and when you realize, like, after you finish watching the film, it's like, wow, it is sad that that's kind of a unique perspective that we hardly ever get to see. We're in 2022, but that's the reality of it all. And quite frankly, for my money, I love this. 
I loved every minute of it. I was cackling. Oh my goodness. I I, I mean, I don't want to make it sound as if like, this is the best movie Disney's ever made, but I think it's another example of this era of animation from both Pixar and Disney is delivering in ways I honestly could not have expected it to be the case even like four years ago. Four years ago when we discussed animation with both Pixar and Disney, it seemed like it was just kind of stagnant and like I'm boring. I mean, it wasn't. Yes. Uninteresting. Now, look at all these different stories that are being told. I love May. That's the main character's name, right? Oh, my God. I love the throwback to the 2000s, man. You know, I knew I was going to like eat it up. But just how it starts off with like her looking into the camera like she was Malcolm in the middle. I love that. And narrating all the, you know, her daily life. These characters are so like hilarious and charming and real. Every moment of this movie just kind of like embraces you. And I cannot for the life of me think of people having the reactions in the negative variety that I've seen. Because it's just like it to me, it's just kind of unfathomable. Like you really have to go out of your way to like not like stories told from the perspective of um, different kinds of people, shall we say, for you not to really enjoy the film. You don't have to like it, but there's been some kind of an interesting hatred or just distaste from people who either do not want stories told from either a young female perspective or a young Asian female perspective, or there is a far more, I would even say, um, idiotic standpoint from the parents, quote-unquote, because tampons are, and periods are mentioned in the movie. And that's a whole different thing in and of itself. This film feels so real, man. It feels so authentic. I Again, I said this last week that I thought the Batman was kind of an instant classic. The same can be said for Turning Red. Um, <laughs> I have seen Turning Red, I think about three times now. You're kidding no oh my god oh my god no, look, wait 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 the music the music that was such a perfect callback to the 2000s you have no idea <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> and the whole thing it's like with the bobs like they're called four town but there's five of them like it's <laughs> it's, it's so stupid um I I agree in that like I have been digging Disney animation lately because just a few years ago I like it was you were very very it critical was hell for me because it was <laughs> like Ralph breaks the internet by the way and hell two, yes and then yes but we also got Moana and and Zootopia yeah yeah you you get a the shiny you know little diamond in a mound of shit but. It, it's just it felt like every fucking Pixar. well that stretch Incredibles two Cars three, um after off of Finding Dory but then you also had Disney Animation Rick, Ralph breaks the Internet and Frozen mm-hmm. two, and then Toy Story four came out they, like everything was just sequel 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 yeah, and you know you you could say like yeah, Toy Story four is not bad it's just it, but some obviously were better than yes. others not to say that they were all like. It's just, it's just, I don't know, it's boring, right? And it's just like, is this all Disney is, especially Disney animation, is this all it is now? Um, but then for me anyway, the, the, the like one, two, three punch. Yeah. Of like, 
Luca came out. And I was like, I like this. You know, it's very, it, it's the animation style is trying to do something different. It's trying, it's not, it's not going for, you know, the Oscar, I guess you can say. Um, it, it's not trying to be as emo, as the emotional gut punch as, as humanly possible, like, like a quote unquote Pixar film is supposed to. It's just this light, breezy, still emotional, right? Um, but, but just like, uh, the culmination of the word adorable, you know, film. And it, yeah. it's very different in speed and style of anything Pixar had done before. And I was like, that's neat. It's also different with who it speaks to primarily on a different level oh, as well. for sure. Yeah. It, uh, young Italian boys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they finally got their film. Um, and then you had Encanto. And it's again, it's it's still very much Disney, but it's a different type of, of film with a different type of story and resolution and with amazing music and also uh, yeah and then and then now turning red and i think for me the thing that if there's one thing that really connects them together i I, say representation you could say like sort of a, a child's point of view or something like that but for me it's that every one of these films has i feel so much humanity to them yes it's about people loving each other (laughs) in one way or another and um uh, i know this uh good sir here likes to deem me the death of hope and that i am oh oh who who's i haven't called you that in years Um, i haven't called you that uh in years kai on the other hand calls you that every chance he gets i (laughs) know i've not said that about you in years okay sure whatever but kyle does every time um for me he called you a coward last he podcast. did fuck him um <laughs> but for me what moves me emotion what i've noticed moves me emotionally the most in film isn't seeing something really sad or like horrific or, or stuff like that because mm-hmm. people will see like really like i don't know fucked up movies like it gets sad and i'm like this is it's depressing but it's not like it doesn't <laughs> I guess it moves me emotionally, but it doesn't move me in, in the way where it's like, it, it, it's really hitting me. I, I don't know, because it's uh-huh. it's more of like depressing. I don't know. It's hard to say it. The, the thing that does, I think, move me more emotionally is that sort of humanity that you see where it, it's, it deals with very real people and real issues and sort of the scars that people can leave each other. But it's not about hating each other it's not about hurting each other it's about overcoming that hurt and learning to love each other and uh-huh. you know that's very cheesy and it's it's but i we, we're not opposed to cheese on no, this we network not. we we are very pro cheese here uh, and yeah. that kind of stuff i i admit it, it i mean we love that's the reason i fucking love superhero film right like i i still talk about how that that Raimi! Yes! That's, that's what it is. Right there. The fucking... It's New York. You you attack one of us, you attack all of us. Hey, bada bing. You know? Uh, <laughs> that kind of shit. It, it's cheesy and it's dumb, but it's 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 effective. At least on me. Man, I, I didn't put it together until you, like, you actually just said it, but the... I, like, 
I can't recall a time where we've had like a one, two, three punch with Luca and Kanto and turning red like this. I think the last time, I got to be honest, which like I'm just talking about Pixar mm-hmm. here because we're not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm just gonna talk about Pixar. I feel like because Disney Animation had some clunkers in that last 2000s decade, not 2010s to the 2000s. See, what happened was but, when Pixar was at their height. Disney animation uh-huh. kind of sucked, but once Disney animation started mm-hmm. kicking up, uh, Pixar started getting into the sequels. John Lasseter was the CEO, or the, he was the chief executive officer of both of those animation studios. Yeah, that's what happened. But you know what was a really good one, two, three hit punch was, um, well, technically, never mind. I, I I skipped Wally in there, but that run of Pixar films. Oh, for sure. In that decade, like, af- one after the other. Yeah. Like, I think from, like, in the span of, like, four years, you had Ratatouille up in Toy Story 3. But then I also forget that you had, like, Wally in between. And then as far as Disney animation is concerned, they had Princess and the Frog. So, that was a good, like, run of movies. Yeah. But it wasn't completely, like, flawless. I'm curious, though, though, because we did skip. They are part of this new era, but we kind of skipped. These three films seemingly... We appreciated them for the fact that they were original, but they also had their issues. Whereas I think it really hit perfectly with Luca and Kanto and now turning red, but I'm referring to Onward, Soul, and Raya. Yes. Um, these films definitely hit more with other people than me. <laughs> uh, they're, um, they're the films that I give an A for effort. <laughs> yeah i'm really sad that i didn't like soul in the way that i because for me i thought oh my god this i was hyping it up man yeah. i was like you know what that trailer it's like the concept it's like it's got to be the best movie yeah. of the year i just know it and then i didn't love it the way that i wanted to yeah that that's the one that hurt <laughs> that's part on partly on me though i mean i shouldn't but still it's also on the movie and then raya again a for effort but i think you know my feelings on Raya. And then what was the other one? Kyle's favorite, Onward. Oh, Onward. Again, that's another one where it's like, A for effort. I like the ultimate message, and I think it's a really cool one. Yeah. Um, but the overall film, it's like, it's okay. <laughs> you know, it, it's it, those three, again, A for effort. They're They're going for shit, but they're just not hitting with me. And then these mm-hmm. last three. They fucking hit. So it's like... They're hitting it perfectly, I would say. And again, i rather have an Onward, though, than a Cars 3. Like, <laughs> that's that's just the way I feel. I'd, I'd much rather have that. No, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um... Shall we get into this movie? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um... Uh, Clearly, both of us are kind of, like, overly enthusiastic with it. Yeah. Well, for one, again, with f- when it first started, this was the first time in a long time, maybe ever, where I'm like, dang, this doesn't yeah. feel like a Pixar film. It feels doesn't. very different, and I really like uh-huh. it. it. The movie yeah. Just- Boom. It's like it's in your face. Literally uh-huh. from the beginning. I was like, I was grabbed immediately and I was 
so pissed that I was robbed of a theatrical experience with this movie because I can only imagine just like the audience reaction to these first five minutes or the first eight minutes especially. I was about to ask you, did they release an animated short along with it? They have not been doing that with the Disney Plus releases, no. Really? Not that I'm aware oh, of. Oh, fucking lame. And if they if they do have animated short films that were at one point supposed to accompany them, they'll save them for a Disney Plus dump, I would assume. That sucks too, right? Because you, you know that there's people making those shorts that are like, yes, we're going to catch our big break in front of this film. I mean, that's how we got... I feel like that's how we got this film, right? Because Bao made such an impression. That's how we got Luca, too, because Enrico Casarosa, Casarosa directed La Luna that's all those years right. ago. Again, it's a little Italian boy representation. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, immediately I'm like, I, I'm, I'm really loving the energy of this film. And I don't think I feel bad saying this. I'm like, wow, these little girls are annoying. But they're supposed to be. It's, it's, you were annoyed. Oh, come on. They're so... Well, I, I can so see loud yes, I can see and it. in your face. And, and they're just... They're 13-year-old girls. They're, they're third, you don't even have to add girls to that. They're 13-year-olds, right? Um, that's at the age where... Again, that's why it's called the awkward age. You're no longer a cute little kid. You're starting to be seen as an adult, but you still have so much of your little kid tendencies. And, yeah. and, and to an adult, you just, you come off as annoying. <laughs> but you know what? I don't feel bad saying that because I, I the movie acknowledges it. I, I think they even have. I gotta be honest. Maybe I wasn't annoyed because I actually work with kids. <laughs> so are they growing far more? <laughs> No, I'm far more annoyed with the actual oh, kids. Okay. I mean, not so much in this, in this Pixar movie. Well, I think like one of the the math teacher, he's because they're like, oh, she's uh, overachieving, if slightly annoying, uh, younger. <laughs> um, but that would be me. Uh, yeah, that would be, if I were a teacher, that would be me. <laughs> but it, it's just keeping it it's real. In a very again, it, it it never, it's never actually annoying. It's the characters are never greedy. Right. In fact, you no. love the characters. I love uh, them so much. And again, because it's it's this adorable thing of like these these little girls, and they just love each other, and yeah. they're just such good friends, and they just um more than anything, they just want to experience life together, right? And um, <laughs> uh, I can't remember who's the. The, the smallest one that like yells everything but she's fucking hilarious isn't she uh, yeah <laughs> the line that still makes me laugh is when um the they're talking about how like they had asked their parents which again another classic move where you're asking your parents for something you are like you have almost no shot in hell that they're gonna say yes so you bust out the powerpoint and, and you put on a whole presentation trying to get them to say yes, and they just fucking shut you down. Oh my god! <laughs> but like, relatable, very right? Relatable. And then the 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 day after, they're in um, I guess PE, and they're talking about it, and she's like, "My parents called it stripper music. What's wrong with that?" <laughs> like immediately, so fucking funny. Uh, and I even think uh, May says crap. 
in the very beginning of the movie when she tries to do like a a cartwheel she's like crap real quick um yeah it's it's actually refreshing in the way that the characters are portrayed i think they're they don't again they don't shy away from topics no like (laughs) the girls in this um uh what do you call it movie they're little they're little perverts um (laughs) but like every 13 year old 13 year old being a pervert oh well i never you know (laughs) (laughs) but just the way that they're obsessed with like this goofy looking store clerk and he's like the epitome of like attractiveness to them and and the way is it devin yeah devin (laughs) and even the little ones like my mom cut his hair once it's very soft They're they're just wild and crazy group of little girls that are just so excited to grow up. Um, And then, of course, their parents aren't excited. And that's where the tension is, right? But I I, even that, I think, is done so well because, again, the mom character, she's over the top. She She does some things. That I almost had to turn off the the movie the first time I was uh, watching it out of like secondhand embarrassment. I couldn't take it. Um, you want to get into it, or you rather forget you, you, that you explain it real quick? Well, okay. So look, this is after May encounters Devin and she's back in her room and all of a sudden she has her notebook and she gets the the sensation out of nowhere uh, to doodle on her notebook uh, pictures of Devin and then and this is animated so brilliantly she herself is caught by surprise with um, feeling some kind of way let's just say <laughs> And then she goes all Again, crazy I, with her illustrations. But see, there was a moment, right, where she, like, she makes a face. And then she's like, right? is anyone around? And then she rolls her ass under that bed. And I'm like, what? What is going to happen? <laughs> Be- because, like, that's that's the moment where I, I remembered you saying that you saw Grace's review. And that I have to imagine that's the moment where she thought masturbation was about to happen yes i well i think it's as close as you can get to that topic in a kid's <laughs> film because it, it's very yeah. clearly like overt sexual feelings and you're sort of hiding that that you're expressing them from your parents right like like that's what it is um in the most basic sense, talking about like masturbation and stuff like that. Like that's, and then what's also, I think, uh, well, okay, well, you have to explain what eventually happens because that's the, that's the part that really. Well, she drew all of that. Her mom knocks on the doors. And so she quickly gets out of the bed, out from the bottom of the bed, gets on top. And then she, uh, her notebook is on the floor. And so this entire time, while her mom is, you know, 
peeking in through the door. May is trying to maintain eye contact and not look down at the notebook. She looks down at the notebook. Her mom looks at it, and she's, like, horrified by what she sees. And instead of, like, thinking of what a rational person <laughs> would think of, like, oh, well, she's just had a... She's just had a bunch of emotions and hormones, and it's understandable. And I think most parents these days would hopefully know that the while awkward, however it would be, and it would be, there would be a logical course of action to take with explaining to your child that this not perfectly natural. That's not what happens. So she drags May with her. They get in the car. And they, she, she recognized that who that person was that she was drawing was Devin. Mm-hmm. They drove all the way to the convenience store. They get off. The convenience store is filled with people. One of which happens to be, uh, Tyler, who is a, the, the a classmate to the, the quote, well, he's Urkel. Yeah. Basically. He's in this, or who's that, who's that snitch character from recess? <laughs> I forget, man. Yeah, that's a, that's a throwback yeah, in and of yeah. itself. Uh, recess. That's a great TV show as well. Um, and the mom literally throws the notebook at Devin God. with these drawings. I was having heart palpitations. And then, <laughs> and everyone around the store immediately like it just starts like, you know, crowding them and then, like seeing all these images. And this, I don't even know what she said. I was just kind of like horrified, secondhand horrified Mm -hmm. for me. It's like, oh my God, I was just in disbelief with what I was watching. I, I couldn't take it. It was, was, (laughs) I was like, oh my God, because it's like, okay, to me, the big embarrassing moment is the mom sees the pictures, right? Like that's the big punchline. But then they, they're, they kept going. And they're like, no, we're driving to the store and we're going to confront Devin. And then we're going <laughs> to, sh- and then all the, there's other classmates there, specifically the kid she fucking hates most at school and hates her back. And then when they show the pictures, oh my God. And then, uh, uh, so all of that is insane and horrifying. And, and I never thought uh, like a scene like that could be in a Pixar film. And I'm so happy that it is one, because it was very funny. Um, it very, <laughs> again, it's a very stylized, uh, film too. So th- there's a lot of like exaggerated, like, uh, you could definitely tell like anime, um, inspiration. Yeah, between this and Luca, it seemed that Pixar is like dipping their toes into more stylized animation than they were previously. And again, it's I think it's working wonders. I really, really enjoy yeah. it. And but what I love is her response. Cause when they when they cut back to her at, at in her house after the whole thing has gone down, she's like just like like just losing it and she's like okay well it's fine it's fine i just have to i can move i can change my name like it'll be okay and and then she just starts crying and but and then i think what is so again so in tune with that experience as a kid is she gets angry at herself like why did i why did i feel that way why did i draw those things like what's wrong with me like that's not normal that's not who i am and what I love so much is that the last thing she she says is she's like, okay, like you just have to never do that again, which is, to me, is so perfectly ironic because it's like, this is just, that's that was your first step. 
you were going to be doing and feeling a lot of those types of feelings, right? So, and of course, the very next thing that happens when she says like, okay, just have to never be like that again, is she turns into the panda that night, which is, of course, a big old uh, allegory for honestly multiple things right of course puberty of course specifically to to women um uh women period period Uh, yeah yeah. yes like a period puberty and then just just general change i think right like as as you um of course the the puberty i mean she's hiding she has to hide that she's a panda from the world that won't obviously accept that that's a different allegory in and of itself well I guess for me, because there's several things, right? Because one, they, they, they talk about how, like, she starts to smell more. She's hairier. Um, she puts on weight. Like, of, of puberty. I didn't even make the connection. Yeah, of course. But yeah, yeah, puberty, yeah there it is. Right yeah. there. And then, and, and then, of course, you know, the whole period thing is very direct with her mom. Like, she's red. The change only happens to women, to, to, to be the panda. Um, there's there's an anger component to it all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that yeah, yeah, that's there. Um, there. There's there's the emotion, but then there's another layer too, where sometimes, uh, when when you're about that age, and girls start to, uh, uh develop. Mm-hmm. They sometimes start to get a lot more attention because they developed a little sooner uh, uh-huh. than maybe some of their classmates. And I think you yeah. can even tie that into the fact that she gained a lot of popularity through being the panda. The panda. Right. So that yeah. that's that's another thing. Like there's so much um I think elements that you can tie to, you know, this idea of, quote unquote, uh, the uh, becoming a red panda. Um, so, yeah, I think I think I'm rambling a little bit. <laughs> no, it's just it's a really cool movie. I loved it so much. I do too. I really do. I, 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 it, it had, I, I mean, I don't even think there's anything I d- disliked here. It's like to me, it's like it's like the Batman, mm-hmm. where it's like. There's genuinely nothing I can like critique for me. Like I thought this was as good as it could be. Like really legitimate. There's so much I feel that like ties in to to the film. When I when I catch myself just falling in love with like little things in a film, that's when I know like I yeah. really love a film. Like the dad yeah. character, I love him so much. <laughs> There's yeah. the wood joke where she the mom's really trying to go with her to the the quote unquote like math math lead club or whatever and she's like don't you want to you know you could spend some time with dad and then he's like oh you know he pops up in the back and, and then the mom stares at him and she's like i'll go get my note cards and then he's like oh and then like he he gets like he slumps down all sad <laughs> i love that sequence where he was cooking that was oh amazing and, and and i and it's a little thing right but it's just like oh dad's yeah. a great cook you know, and it's so, and then I love how at the end, when she's like, you know, we, we can have, or she invites her friends over for dinner. And again, the friend that she had an issue with, the, there's little things I think that tie in through it. Cause throughout the film, uh, that specific friend, I forgot her name, Miriam, 
She's always yeah. like, I don't, I don't know about that Miriam girl. I don't think she's good. And da da da. She's always talking shit, um, which is also funny because like halfway through the film, when May's like, no, like you guys can't be here. My mom already doesn't like you. The Miriam's like, wait, your mom doesn't like me. <laughs> was that ever like established why of all of them Miriam was the one she didn't like? Um, see, I assume it's just because like she's. Uh, I I don't know, uh, like like she's oh she's she's not. It's not that she's a bad kid, but she's not like in a, like an achiever, like ultra achiever mm. type. And the mom's like that's what I assumed as like, well. Oh, she's not as good, right? It, it's just one of mm-hmm. those things where it's like because she always says that mm, I don't know about that girl. I think she holds you back. I think this. I think that. I think she just thinks she's a weird little girl, and 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 her perfect yeah. may needs high achieving non-weird friends you know something like that but of course like when they invite them at the end and and miriam's like for his cooking hell yeah right like like it's well established that he's just a great cook um the fact that the the and also like the fact that the fight between her and mother was because they didn't approve of him i don't know there's just every i keep a million well, that little third things. act, man. The panda on panda stuff. But that's another thing. The, like, the whole thing yeah. with Four Town and their obsession with Four Town. Wow, and the, yeah. And the way that the, they would, the way that they show their, like, connection to each other is singing mm-hmm. the, the the song to each other. And yeah. the, that the way that ties directly into the, um, the I don't know, the, the ritual at the end. Like, yeah. I fucking lost it. <laughs> <laughs> when, right. when they when they climbed out of the rubble, <laughs> to, to, to see. right? Oh, and the four towns, the, the guys, like the, that was hilarious because like you you almost think for a second that they fucking died because like they 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 were first they were stuck on the on the roof and then when the mom like went through them, yeah, like, you don't see them, yeah. and then like then they like a phoenix they rise from the ashes and then they 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 start up the song. Oh my god! They, yes, that's when right. they hit that high note. It's like. Woo! And then it's like, um, it's just such a well put together film, and it, and it's so yeah. funny and it's so adorable. It has a really nice message, just about like, um, yeah. you know, it, it it's about learning when you're at that age and you're just learning to become your own person, right? It, it's about growing pains. Um, if yeah. that wasn't already a, a, the name of a show. That probably would have been the name of uh, the this this movie. Um, uh huh. So I don't know. I I I I love so much about it. it and the I I get I I've maybe already said this, but the relationship between Miriam and the mother, I think, is really perfect. Maymay, Maymay and her mother. Yeah, because. Again, the mother, like she, she does some foul shit, <laughs> some bad shit. Um, but y- you know, it all comes. Is your cat okay? She's never okay. Um, okay, just make, she seems to be making a lot of noise. Hey, stop it. <laughs> um, it, it it comes from a, a huge place of love, right? And 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 mm-hmm. she just wants her connected to be connected at the hip with her daughter, and and when you find out the stuff, but what happened between her and her mom, 
you can maybe think that like you know she was so hurt about the growing apart between her and, and and her mom that subconsciously she's afraid of that happening between her and her daughter and she's just trying to prevent that but in her trying to prevent that she's causing it right it, it's the cycle it, it's it, 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 what do they what do they call it a uh, generational trauma that word keeps coming up again but you know that's what it is right yeah um i also have to say like when i look at movies like luca and Kanto and turning red and the messages that they're spreading and how effective they are at spreading those messages i have to say i'm a little bit envious of this generation that gets to grow up with these movies mm-hmm. and i have to i have to think that these films are doing a lot of good with hopefully helping families heal with whatever they're going through and hopefully creating better human beings as a result of having these movies for sure and these stories but I guess, and and I'm not and not to say that this always happens, right? But at least, right, <clears throat> from what I've seen currently of the United States, or really, definitely here, but maybe you know, also the world at large. I I can't say exactly, but definitely in a lot of um, Western countries is. Um, if anything gives me hope in the world, it's it's younger people. Um <laughs> Yeah. Um like from millennials downward. I, I, I think the younger you get, the more at, at this point in, in, in human history, the more tolerant they are, the more um just the more they care about the world and making yeah. it better and I think that's reflective of the art, right? Because yeah. who who's making these films? Millennials are new storytellers. Millennials, yeah, like, yeah. they're the ones, right? Um, yeah. Because uh, the I you see the director, uh, what's her name? Um, because it's Shi? about Damishi. Yeah. Damishi. It's about her experience in the year two thousand two as a kid. Yeah. You know, um, Damishi. Let me see her bio. Does it say? Oh no, I thought it would say like her age, but she looks young, you know. Definitely millennial, right? And the same can be said for stuff like Luca, and um, yeah. I Enrico Casarosa, yeah, and and you know stuff like that, stories like that, and and I think again their experience is what is sort of pushing them to create stories about breaking cycles of pain and hurt. Um, mm-hmm. not through violence, not through violently killing the bad guy as they fall through a chasm of darkness, but by through loving. No, we mentioned cheesy. at the top. It's, it's but it's it's good. A little bit that's kind of reserved. Are you mentioned that there were several characters that uh, we're not allowed to go all the way with, like oh, let's say identity. Yeah, for sure. Which ones were you thinking? Um, of? The, uh, there were some that were thinking of the relationship between um, Miriam and May. No, could have also. I don't, I don't think, think so. I didn't read into it, but a lot of people definitely. You saw know that. what? And again, I might get some hate for this. I think it's because Miriam looks like a lesbian. I think that's what it is. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> but I think you're right, though. Let's <laughs> but, be real. But yeah. I, I don't think Miriam was ever played as as that. I, no, I don't think either of no. them were. No, but you know who I do think they're just really they're best was, friends. Was the the quiet one in the group? 
Oh, um, because there was a scene where they were Priya. like, Priya, yeah, where she was like, she's kind of like, is she, would, would she be considered goth? Yeah, let's say goth. Yeah. Okay, because she had a little bit of a moment with, with let's say, a fellow goth yeah. uh, enthusiast. And then the other girls are kind of like. There's a very quick moment where they like nudge each other and then they point like, look. And there's something happening between those two going on over there. Yeah, a kind of insinuation of like, we know her. We know that's probably the way the wind blows with her. Or maybe by, you know, you don't know. Um, but but there is sort of that I think there is sort of that sort of um that feels like an element of the film that was probably there at some point. And then it was taken out. And then it wasn't. Yeah. Um and, and then this might be less likely but um what's his name the 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 kid that they fight with all the time tyler, tyler. yeah um he really loves nah. the the those <laughs> well, boys in motion <laughs> uh <laughs> i'm glad you were thinking of that too the boys in motion <laughs> Literally was from that's so yeah. raven right that was the, yeah, oh the my god that's exactly motion. what it was <laughs> ripped from that's exactly what it was ripped from that's why it kind of like you know brought that nostalgic because I I was a kid in two thousand two and that's what I remember watching that's so raven and the boys in motion that's one of the first episodes of I think that's so raven that I remember seeing literally no um that whole thing with Tyler it was it took a turn and then you realize when you retrace your steps of like how he was acting toward them in the you know because they're very much antagonistic. But then he also comes across as a person that desperately wants to be loved. Yeah. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. Like kind of a popularity whore he wants to be anyway. Um, he kind of coerces May May to bring out the panda to come in for people to come to his party. But then they encounter him at the concert, and then his reaction to things that were happening mm -hmm. with Fort Town, and it's like, huh, maybe. And then, and then you, at, when you look at. Where it it all ends up, he kind of becomes a member of the I group. I love how. Can you believe it? I love it. It's, <laughs> it's just like kids. They hate each other, and then they find one thing they have in common. They're like, "We're best friends now," and and the, and then and then they love each other. And I I think it's just so fucking adorable. And then also, and again, I don't know if this is purposeful, but it's funny to me. The, the same way that Four Town. It's called Four Town, but there's five of them. Uh, at the end, now there's five of them. <laughs> With the addition of Tyler. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I definitely... Yeah, I think you can, you can piece together some hints and clues there. There are also some others that we're thinking of uh, a, a fairly minor character, Devin. Uh, oh, I don't think Devin is. Dev, who is... He was seen at the concert as well. Oh, was he? Uh, oh, oh, I didn't see him. He was there. I didn't see it either, but uh, I saw an image that he actually okay. was there. Um, all I'm saying is, usually the one guy in the in the big girl group usually turns out, you know, a good chance to probably gay. Um, so and again, if which is perfect, which is fine. Oh yeah, no, fine right. great. Yeah, to me, yeah. I just love the the you know they go from just being stupid stupidly antagonistic to each other they wanted to kill each other 
Whoa! At I think one point. May, I think May almost ki- almost killed him. What? She was a panda with that dodgeball. Oh, with the dodgeball! Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, that would have took no, yeah. his head off. Yeah, that was fucking great. That was very funny. Um, but the way that they just Can you, wait, oh my god, I, I almost forgot this moment with how cringe the mom was. Like she was stalking her at school, and she when literally she took, took out, out tampons. <laughs> and you know what's so funny? On the on the second watch, I noticed is. When she literally pulls them out and, like, says it, the entire class, like, winces. Like, ooh. Including the teacher. <laughs> like, oh, no. Why would she do that? <laughs> um, So much yeah. cringe. I mean, she... <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, parents like that, they do exist. They do. Yeah. Uh, I I just think it's such an adorable movie. And it's it, it's so funny. It, it's I got so yeah. many laughs from it. And I love it. I love it. 2022 is already off to a great start. Oh, yeah. I'm enjoying it. Already off to a great start. All right. For the sake of time, shall we go ahead and get it to the Batman? <laughs> uh, we're already... Uh, moving on two and a half hours of this. So, uh, the Batman. I reviewed this last week with Peter. Ugh, I keep saying Peter. With Kyle, Alexis, and David, and I think it was one of the most like overwhelmingly positive reviews we've ever we've ever had on the entirety of this Time podcast. To change things. Like, everybody, up. let's talk. <laughs> always you, man. You always have to have the last word. Now, I uh, this movie is fucking amazing. I saw it three times. It improved each time. I, 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 it's my favorite Batman movie, bar none. Bar none. Bar uh, Mask of the Phantasm definitely is up there. As far as from, from a Batman standpoint, I would still say Mask is Lego the better, Batman. is the best version. If you listened to our show last week, you would already be aware that we discussed this at length. And my list, did I not reveal my, oh, my rank right. list? Oh, that's right. You actually did a list, didn't you? Well, Kyle and I did a list um, of, like, the Batman movies. Uh, the theatrical Batman of films. Though. Of the ones that uh, I did see. So I haven't seen Batman Forever and I haven't seen Batman. Although I, I guess I'm kind of seeing it now because I'm watching Double Toasted's review. Oh my, it's so good. Or their Bat movie. <laughs> Isn't it hilarious though? I'm like, wow, this is great. So uh, I have seen nine of them. And so from like worst to best uh, at number nine, well, I'm not going to, from worst to best, Batman v Superman, Dark Knight Rises, Batman Begins. I don't remember Batman Begins. So I have to rewatch that one. Uh, Batman Returns, Batman 89, Lego Batman, The Dark Knight, Mask of the Phantasm and the Batman. Yeah, I I have to say, just thinking back, I do like a good number of Batman. Like genuinely, really like a good number of because I really like the Tim Burton Batman film. They're not really, mm-hmm. they don't function well as like a Batman films, but they're great. Um, they're great films. They're great little Tim Burton, uh, dark fairy tale superhero films, um, and I really yeah, enjoy yeah. them. Uh, Lego Batman's fucking great. Uh, Mas- oh, Fan- yes. Massive yes. Phantasm is great. Massively underrated, by the way, Lego Batman yeah. movie. I don't know what happened where everybody just ignored that movie. Because it's a good, like, Batman story as well. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, and then you have, um, I I really like Batman Begins. And, I, and of course, The Dark Knight. 
right? That's like, and then if you include the Batman, that's like eight Batman films that I really like, which yeah. is pretty good. Out of what eleven? Yeah, eight out of eleven theatrical releases. Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah, and and the Joel Schumacher Batman films, um. Batman Forever isn't terrible. There's a lot of fun stuff in it. Jim Carrey is the Riddler, of course. And Batman and Robin is terrible. But oh my god, is it terrible in the craziest fuck? And you're finding that out, but it is terrible. I am. I'm seeing those clips and I'm like, whoa. It, it goes for it in all the craziest yeah. fucking ways. Um. <laughs> And again, in an era where a lot of movies like those are kind of blah and generic now, you really do gravitate toward that back in back what Schumacher was doing in that. And it's like, you know what? It's not great. It's probably not even good. But man, this is really unique and hilarious. And you got to appreciate that this exists. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, that's one of those things where it's like, I would prefer that kind of movie over a boring film. Because there's so much to talk about. Double Toes Double did a two-part uh, <laughs> movie review on it for a reason. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, overall, the Batman films are actually... I didn't, I didn't realize how good a track record they had until I sat down and thought about it. I was like, no, like I actually do really like a lot of these. It's just kind of hard to think because like, Batman hasn't been in great company lately no. with this last era with Zack Snyder and the DCEU. Well, the thing so. is, like the like I, I think I said this last time, the, the last Batman film I saw in a movie theater that I really liked was The Dark Knight. And that was in 2008, Whoa. you know? Yeah. Because then you got The Dark Knight Rises, which... Uh, it it has a lot of problems for me. It's got a lot it's of a problems. Problem. And then, but I think with that movie though, it's got the hilarious performance by uh, Tom Hardy, the iconic performance by Tom Hardy. You know what the thing is, the the Batman voice. I can't. It's been parodied so much. I can't take seriously That's... anymore. <laughs> and then the Bane voice on top of it. So when they're talking to each other. I I'm I'm sorry. It's so hard to take. The seriously. film's just ruined. Yeah, it's fucking ruined. <laughs> this city won't, won't let you die. Is that right? They won't let me die. <laughs> like <laughs> to me, like it's it's so funny because at one time it was viewed as, and even I viewed it. It's like, oh my god, this is so serious. Like this is yeah. so serious. Again, these movies changed the way movies are made, yeah, basically. Oh, sure. Changed the way blockbuster movies are made. I mean, they wanted to change what Spider-Man was because of these movies. Remember the they Amazing Spider-Man movie? The way all, all, Everything. all that shit was made. Yeah. But then looking at it now, it almost feels just as goofy, just in a different way <laughs> as like the, right, the, right. the 60s <laughs> uh, Batman stuff. You know? Because it, it yeah. really is that same, like, just that goofy, like... Yeah, I won't let you do it. I'm here to protect God. It hasn't aged well. It hasn't aged like, well, man. Oh, it would be extremely painful. <laughs> like, where is she? <laughs> it's I I for all the talk of realism, I I didn't going back and seeing those films. I'm like, this is goofy though. <laughs> like like it's um, and that's one of the. Did you rewatch those recently? 
um parts of it i i i, I okay. don't have enough time to see everything but but especially in the run up to um the, the batman. batman i was like there's so much batman stuff i i just haven't seen since i was a kid like i don't think i i've seen returns since i was a kid and it, wow that's a long yeah, ass time so i was like i i need to just refresh you're a quarter of a century know? old um that is true uh quarter life crisis yeah Awesome. Every, that's uh, clearly everyone's favorite, right? Um, what was I even talking? <laughs> the Batman uh, sorry, movies my are dementia generally good for my old age is kicking in. Um, <laughs> uh huh. But what's interesting is people talk about how like because the Batman is trying to go for a certain level of realism, and it's in comparing that level of realism to. The Dark Knight films, I mean, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. What I found interesting was they're different kinds of realism. The Batman or the the Dark Knight films, they feel like they're almost af- afraid to say that they're Batman films. Like they feel the need to convince the audience about mm-hmm. certain things. Well, that's Nolan. Yeah, that all comes from Nolan because Nolan, I think, very clearly. Um, went out of his way to make this feel completely removed from the comic book genre as possible. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, like these, they were films that their creator did not want to be associated with the comic book world. And so that's what you get. Like, it is so overtly realistic. Like, one of the things that you, you can definitely tell the differences off the bat with Matt Reeves and Chris Nolan is how they portray Gotham City. Yeah. But see, that's what's so interesting to me is there are certain things about the Batman that are more realistic. Because when he, when he dives off a building, he uses uh, those fucking squirrel. Um, like those are, those are real. Those are real life things. Those, those like squirrel uh, net things. Have you seen them? Mm-hmm. Right? Whereas, yeah. <clears throat> you know, Nolan, of course, he has that fake technology and stuff like that. And in the Batman, he's just riding a motorcycle. In uh, the Dark Knight, he has that fucking like <laughs> fucking uh, extreme big ass Batmobile uh, car or the 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 oh, bat, yeah, yeah. Um, motorcycle. And and then of course, and then of course the the Batmobiles. Uh, the Batman just has a muscle car. Uh, the Dark Knight has a fucking uh, Elon Musk tank. Well, I, it's not an Elon Musk tank. It didn't explode, you know, two seconds. What did Ben Affleck have? Ben Affleck, who? And so, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> anyways. Um, it's interesting. But what's funny is with the Dark Knight films, they spend so much time explaining how they're they're real. Right. So you spend a lot of time as like, well, how is the Tumblr real? Oh, well, it was actually a milit a secret military. Um, it was supposed to create bridges for the military as part of the um, military division. And, like there's a whole scene explaining that shit. Right. Which obviously is very Nolan. And one of the things I've become annoyed with him, it's like so overly yeah. uh, focused on plot and plot mechanics for the sake of something. I Whereas guess. with the Batman so much of it takes a sort of realistic approach to it, but it never feels the need to explain itself. 
It never feels the need to turn to the audience and go like, well, this is how it can exist in the real world, right? Because there's no need for it. And then also Matt Reeves obviously is a very different uh, visionary than Christopher Nolan as in clearly Reeves from all that I've heard was pulling from comics and wanted them to feel that way. But like when he does the squirrel suit, he doesn't explain it. It just happens, right? What's to There's explain? There's nothing really? to explain, right? When, when, when the oh, the you know who this? I think this is perfect, right? There's a whole scene in Batman Begins explaining like the the bulletproofness of like oh, it's Kevlar, it's this, is talking about the suit, right? Like, there's a lot of explanation about the suit. Whereas in the Batman, it's just fucking bulletproof, right? Like he just starts off and it's just like, and he and he just keeps going, and you're like, okay. Right. So even though that's what I found so fascinating comparing them is that even though the Batman takes more more realistic approaches in a lot of ways, it still feels way more fantastical because the Gotham City is fantastical. Right. It is not just um, fucking. uh, What city did Nolan choose to do? Was it um, Detroit? It's not just Detroit. Whichever. Well, whichever one of those, I think one of the clear examples is on well, the Dark Knight, if I'm not mistaken, Bruce Wayne has an apartment uh, in the heart of the city. Mm-hmm. It, it looked like any ordinary, like rich person apartment. You couldn't even tell that was, a, I guess, a Wayne residency. Whereas here in the Batman, Wayne does have, yeah. he lives in the city in an apartment. But, but it, fucking it's, Edgar Allan Poe vomited everywhere. <laughs> it's this the production design is brilliant, yeah. though, because it actually it brings oh character, you know, into the yes. Wayne mm-hmm. uh, residency. But I, I guess this is a long way of me saying it's still very clearly fantastical. So I have hopes that they will include more fantastical Batman characters because I very much want to see them. I want to see a Mr. Freeze that is not the Arnold Schwarzenegger version. <laughs> You know, I'd like to see uh, those other types of um, Batman characters that don't have to be just variations of human beings, you know, get get a yeah. little bit more because sci-fi. Like, look, right. More fantastic. So we have Catwoman and we have Penguin in this movie, but they've been done before, oh, yeah, clearly. Sure, right? like, and those are just people, right? And the Riddler, yeah, he's a person. The Joker is a person. Mr. Freeze, on the other hand, he's got some sci-fi shit going on. Poison, Poison Ivy. Ivy. That's that's even further. You know, you control plants and shit like that. Um, I I really want them to. I I I like. To me, the the film strikes an almost perfect balance mm-hmm. of between the the realism and the fantastical, and and it really is. I, I guess I, I've been. I'm sorry. I have a lot to say. So, um, like, you have a lot to say. That's right. Um, and we're at what two thirty four. We're at two thirty four. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Great. Uh, I will talk fast. I'm not gonna talk because I already said my piece. I love okay. this film. So you, yeah. okay. Well, um, so Batman was created in the. No, I'm not gonna go that far back. But um, with Batman. What I love about this film so much, you know, talking about the the line between the fantastical and and the and the realism and the way that I would compare the two characters, one of the biggest things I noticed after having watched the Batman is just how deranged Robert Pattinson plays it. And it's really great because my argument has always been 
that Batman is a crazy person. Like he is. Um, no, yeah, he's yeah. a good person, but he's crazy. Like he, in my mind, he's almost, if not just as crazy as the Joker. And for me, that's what always attracted Joker to Batman, right? Like he sees the the same the same thing that is within Joker is within Batman. It's just on the other end of the coin, right? Where where the Joker is just chaos and doesn't give a shit about human life. Batman is about extreme order and protection of human life at all costs. Um, and, you know, as far as Joker is, uh, cons- as far as he's concerned, that's the perfect dance partner for him, you know? And so they dance. Look no farther than, well, in every, any, any iteration, but maybe not more so than Lego Batman. Yeah, it, but that's why, that's another reason why I love Lego Batman. Because the relationship really is almost uh, romantic in a sense. It's weird. It can get weird, right? Uh, Shout out to Will Arnett and Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, no, they're so funny in that one. <laughs> it's, I love the Lego one. It's on HBO Max, isn't it? I might watch that later tonight. Um, <laughs> But, so f- f- my argument has always been that, you know, there's always been just a darkness and a very, just an edge to the character that, surprisingly, you know, you see in the comic, you actually see in the animated stuff to a certain extent, right? Like, there is, like, Mask of the Phantasm isn't a, a, a happy-go-lucky film, it, it there's... You really delve into <laughs> the sadness of the character. Um, That's not a happy ending in the no. least. But just seeing the comparison between Robert Pattinson and the way he plays it compared to every other live action version, it's like, wow, it's, there really is a difference. Like, like a genuine, genuine, like no other person has played it in this way. And I think it suits it so well. And it also is held by the setting of the storyline because he is the youngest Batman. I would say that we've yeah, seen. I, think I would say the, so, the yeah. most rookiest mm-hmm. as well. And he plays it with so much emotion, like so, like he's he's that rigid, almost ghost-like being of the night that sort of floats in and out of uh, active crime scenes. But what's so great is, and again, I. This is a this is where a great director meets a great lead actor makes a great film is the emotion that he's able to display with his eyes alone cuz so much of Pattinson's dialogue throughout this film is spoken with his eyes I think look no further than the you could f- see the panic on his face with the mask on his face when he thought he was going to be unmasked by Riddler in that scene in the prison. That said in Arkham. everything. Like when he first said right. Bruce Wayne, the way his eyes, like almost like a cheapest child, he couldn't even look at him. He's so sitting, like he looks at the camera and he's terrified. And then when he when he says like, he's the only one we didn't get. And like the sort of the shock and realization and he looks back at him. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm in the clear. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But all of that without any dialogue and with, you know, a mask on. Right. It, it's all in the eyes. And I've always been the biggest proponent of wide eyes. And because um, you know why? They, they look fucking good in live action. OK, they 100 percent would. They would look amazing. 
But this is the first film where I'm like, okay, I get it. I get why you can't do it. Because so much of the storytelling is done through the emotion that Pattinson is able to convey through. And by the way, what a great actor. Pattinson is so good in this. Yeah. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Here's another thing. And so are all the actors, by the way. Every single last one of them them are great. Great cast. Fantastic casting. Um, I love uh, Gordon. Perfect. Yeah, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright. Wright oh my God. Perfect yes. for, for Gordon. Um, but another thing, one of the cool things I think about Batman is this idea that each generation sort of has a different Batman that sort of, and you can see sort of the change in time with the generation, right? So you had the 60s Batman, you know, fun, fun go lucky. <laughs> Adam, Adam West, West yeah. is fun. And then you, of course, had the Tim Burton one of the 80s. You have, yeah. and, and then... Joel Schumacher. It gets a little wild there in the 90s. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, uh, what's his name? Nolan. The Nolan one, uh, but the, the lead actor. Oh, Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. Right? It, it, I think, again, a lot of that like post-9-11 realism... Like like so much of of the films and and the character very much reflect that period, and and the fact that they go with like in the in this iteration, um, hardcore, uh, millennial, nihilist, emo, Batman, fucking uh, listening to Nirvana, um, a one, a one sauce, yeah, perfect, <laughs> perfect. fucking perfect. Uh, just, just the gr- the in, in talking about one of my favorite characters, Gotham City. It's it's so again perfect. It's this it's it's so grimy. Uh, like like I feel like I was just walking, just driving through the city. I would have to take a shower afterwards. It, it just yeah. it. I mean, feels you would, have, like you would have to go inside because it's always raining. So you could just take a shower outside. <laughs> you know, I feel like the rain's even dirty. Um, it, it yeah. just every street corner and it, it works so well it, it's such a well-realized gotham with the the gothic looking architecture and the the sort of gotham's always been a, a, a difficult nut to crack because it, it, it's it's meant to feel timeless with sort of the uh-huh. the dark gargoyles the 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 architecture it's always raining um but it's also a certain level of futuristic to it as well because you do have um characters like mr freeze and stuff like that and an advanced wayne tech and weaponry um it, it's this old meets new type of look to it that's that's um very stylized i think and you haven't we haven't really gotten that since the old batman films um even i think even in like the 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 snyder films the little that we do see of gotham it's not that it still feel it still kind of feels just that, like a that city. was its own issue because Metro- metropolis, metropolis just looks like um, a city too right and and yeah. metropolis is also it, it's a metropolis should look more like fucking Tomorrowland than anything it should look more than just a collection of buildings yeah if I can't, if, if to me, I look at it and I'm like, well, I guess that's like New York. I, I specifically 
if you're Marvel, Marvel takes place in the real world, quote unquote, right? There are no, for the most part, there are no like fake cities, right? That's why there's Madripoor. Well, that's like a fake island country. Um, but for yeah. the most part, um, that's why there's like Wakanda. Yeah. There's, there's some, some. But for the most part, it's just, but there's a reason why there's yeah. 50 goddamn fucking superheroes running around in New York. Because there's no fake cities in the, in the U.S., right? Like, it literally is just, like, L.A., New York, I don't know, fucking other... It, it, it reflects more real life. Whereas in D.C., you have Gotham, you have um, uh, fucking... Metropolis. Metropolis. They, they na- What's the one that Flash is in? Central City, I think. Yeah. Um, they name-dropped another one... Um, Fuck, fuck, fuck. Uh, where Nightwing goes. They name dropped it at the end of um, Bloodhaven. Bloodhaven. That's another city where when Nightwing, when Robin becomes of age and becomes Nightwing, Dick Grayson, he becomes his own hero called Nightwing and he fights crime in, in Bloodhaven, right? So there's like a, a million fake city. It's it's it, it's much more fairy tale like um, in, in DC. Um, less reflective, I think, of, of the real world. So, yeah, I really love the look and feel. Oh, and this is another reason why I like deranged Batman, because only a crazy person would enlist a child to fight crime. And I really, really hope we get Robin. Because I actually think Robin would work so well in this in this universe. Um. You know what? I hope so too. I I just like I I hope the fanboys are gonna come out. Matt probably will if they announce that one way or the other. Maybe I feel like there's been a turnaround. I, at one point, people were like, "Oh, Robin's lame. Oh, he's gay. Look at his shorts." Uh, early two thousands, early two thousands homophobia. Um, nowadays it's like, "Oh, those shorts are cute. Where do they sell them?" You know, progress. Uh, but but also, I, I think a lot of people really like Dick Grayson as a character. And there's been, like, a yeah. bunch of Robins at this point. That, and I think people are really invested in those characters. Because the first Robin became Dick Grayson. Well, there's, The second Robin yeah. became Red Hood. And people really like that character and that story. And then... Um, You've got Teen Titans and Young Teen Justice. Teen Titans and Young Justice. Of course, yeah. Like, they, they really blew up into popularity. Um and then, of course, Damian Wayne, who's really blown up since he was introduced, who's the current Robin, who's literally his son. Like it's a whole fucking thing. So I, I really think the corner has been a corner has been turned on with Robin. But I think this specific Batman would absolutely enlist a child to help him fight crime. I think he's crazy enough to do it, and I would like to see it. Not ten, right? But fourteen. Hell yeah, I could see him getting like a 14, a 13, 14 year old kid and being like, let me, let me show you what's up. I can see it. I want it. I'm, I'm looking at that sequel. Um, oh, did you? I, I am sorry. I'm rambling so much. <laughs> I really like Batman. Um, <laughs> did you see that this was announced today? There's going to be a comic released starting in October called Riddler Year One about Year One for Riddler in the Riddler in this the Batman Paul Dano's yeah. Riddler. Rit 
I did not see that. Written no. by guess who? Matt Paul Dano. Damn. Yeah, he's literally writing uh, a comic about that his specific version of the character in called Year One for the Red Lantern. What a disturbing performance, right? He was so good. And again, the, yeah. I horror, horror directors, man, I love them. Um, the introduction of the the Riddler, terrifying, wasn't it? Terrifying, uh, so good. Um, again, I I am a, a Batman purist, so I like the um, the the top hat cane and uh, green. Riddle suit. me this, riddle me this, Batman. The one in the Harley Quinn, <laughs> yeah. God, I love Harley Quinn. Did you see that James Gunn is going to play himself in the new season of of Harley Quinn? Oh my God! No, I didn't that's see that. So no, crazy. I wanted it. I wanted already. Oh my God! That's another one where it's just like, fuck! I love that show. It's so good. Yeah. Um. But no, he was fantastic. the The whole mystery of 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 the film, right? Like him doing detective work. I I love the sort of buddy cop shit between him and um uh, uh Gordon mm-hmm. Officer Gordon and what I love I I didn't realize how much I loved it until I saw it a second time the 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 generic um fucking uh cop one liners they throw at each other I love them so much like like <laughs> when he's saying like oh this whole place is a powder keg it's about to blow and he's like you'll never get to the da like like they like just like <laughs> the little like cop lines they throw at each other he's like you're telling me he's been moonlighting for the penguin like, like <laughs> and just the ease with which they throw and that's another Colson's dirty telling me he's dirty you know <laughs> like yeah just just like little things by the like way that. Is 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 that character like a, from the comics, Gil Cor- Coulson? Uh, which one? The uh, the one that Peter Sarsgaard, the DA oh, in this movie, shit. that got blown up. Is he a character from the I comics? Don't think so, because okay, I can't be the only one thinking. So this this guy is called Gail Coulson, Phil Coulson. <laughs> different universes. I know, but. Different universes that have long since copied each other. Or, or you thought maybe there was like each a, other a copy. Well, because it, well, it's just like, it's so like. On the nose. It just sounds almost exactly the same. It does. You know? But I, no, I, I think he was just a, a, a creation for, for the film. Just the dirty okay. DA. Um, no, wasn't, I think he was the commissioner, wasn't he? Oh, no, 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 no. no he was the, the DA. DA. The, yeah. the commissioner yeah. was the one that got the commissioner eaten died well before the rats yeah oh my god that was really pushing it so they ate his face or what did they eat because they, they never show what happened i think they like ate through his face or something like that yeah okay. really wow yeah. if you see someone in, in a batman story that's commissioner and his name isn't uh james gordon or jim gordon he's he's not long for this world because it's all about freeing that spot to get him to get uh, get him to commissioner. Um, all that stuff was great. The the penguin was great. 
I'm Ozzy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, it's hard to talk about other because so much of it. I'm just saying, this is great. This is great. This is great. This is great. Catwoman, I think, was perfectly realized. I think that wow. was like the that was wow perfect Catwoman. Like you got it. Like, um, yeah, like Catwoman and Batman. Their relationship specifically comes from a sharing of this sort of pain that both of them have experienced in their life. But Catwoman is not well off, you know, there's a reason why she has her skills and, and she's cat burglar and able to do what she does. And, um, I don't know. It's just so well realized specifically the romance between the two. Um, I, I, I love it. I like. I don't know what to say. Um, the third act. I, some people had an issue with the third act. I did not. I thought the third act was fantastic. The old and this is another thing. We were talking about like the humanity in those um those fucking Disney animated films. This is another film for as dark and as grimy and as relentlessly full of rain as the film is. It's maybe one of the most like hopeful superhero films i've seen in a long time because it's about moving past that anger and that um that need for vengeance and 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 trying to heal and and batman learning that he needs to his his goal shouldn't be to just punish his goal should be to create hope for the people of Gotham. And then like, there's just good emotional moments. Like when that moment between him and Alfred, where he's like, you know, I thought I had conquered fear, but I, I, I basically, you know, when I thought you died, you know, that's the one thing I was, I, I can't go through again. You know, that fear of using, losing someone I love. Um, so d- despite like, like it's not grim, dark, um try hard no not at all and there i think there are wonderful lines here that elicit um much needed um what was humor? it humor breaks with oh, humor for sure that were great wonderful lines and so much more funnier and memorable than fucking let's scooby do this crap oh i hate that shit so much is that I didn't realize how much I really hated it until I saw the Batman. Because there's some great moments of humor throughout the film. But they're played, for the most part, pretty dryly. And and it's not over the top. It's not like, this is the obvious joke. Like, with the MCU, it's getting to the point where it feels like they're going to include a laugh track. Like, this is where you laugh. (laughs) Like, like it's getting really... They need to stop. I I I'm I'm curious to see No Way Home again when I when I I know right now it's available for like digital purchase, but yeah, when yeah, I get yeah. it in the mail, Fuck when I get my my Blu-ray, right. yeah, and when I see it, um, I'm curious to to see how certain moments will play without having an Just audience because the audience the kind of does act as mm-hmm. the the laugh track in some ways. So without that happening, I'm curious to see because I think I did see on Twitter some of those moments when you know Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire are revealed. Like if they're like they're played for the audience to react. So with the absence of it, I wonder if those moments will like fall by That's the wayside. That's so crazy because if you look at like standard like 
um, sitcom television, there's a lot of like moments where people pause or whatever, like, like, yeah, because it's, they're making way for the audience to laugh or, 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 but because the audience is actually actually there there and they, but, but like, like someone will say a joke and then like the audience erupts into laughter and the actors are like basically like waiting for them to stop laughing and then they'll, 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 they'll give a reply or they'll say something. And you see that all the time as a, as a sitcom connoisseur, I know it's, it's something you have seen many, many times. Um, Oh, please. Yeah. And if you notice the MCU started doing that, they started including moments after what they assumed would be a big moment where someone would, where the audience would clap or laugh where it's like silence where, where it's, it's just sort of a nothing happens. It's a made for that, right? It's made for that opening weekend audience. But then, so I agree with you. It's going to be really interesting to go back because from what I remember, there were a lot of moments in the film where it's yeah. like, this is clearly going to be a cheer moment. So we're just going to kind of like hold here and wait for what we, when we think the cheering will die down and then we'll keep going. Um, I don't think that's smart <laughs> to do. Well, I mean, who the fuck am I? That movie made so much fucking money. I I, sh- I should shut the fuck up. $1.8 billion during one of the later surges of a global pandemic in the, the second year of a pandemic. Yeah. Fucking insane. Um, like it almost makes me wonder, like, if there wasn't a pandemic, would it already be the highest grossing movie of all time? I don't I mean, speaking of box over numbers, the Batman's been doing pretty good. It just passed 500. Yeah, it's expected to hit a billion. That's so good. Which will make it the second movie since in the pandemic to make it a billion dollars. I'm, I'm happy about that. I am. Which, by the way, when there wasn't a pandemic, you know what Batman movie didn't make a billion dollars? Batman v That's Superman. That's insane that they couldn't even hit it a billion. It stalled at 700 That's million. That's so yeah. terrible. That's in- that. You could tell there was a problem there with the quality. And can I tell you something? If anything kills, I mean, it's it's dead already. But if anything has put the final nail in the coffin for the Snyderverse, it is the Batman making a billion dollars. Because why would you look back? And a long series of nails. It's a long series of nails. But if there was any hope, the the final one is is the Batman making a billion dollars. Because it's like, why would we go back to the other? This shit's working. A Catwoman spinoff? <laughs> uh, uh, what else can we right do? Right now on HBO Max, they're developing two spinoff shows. An Arkham show and a Penguin yeah, show. For sure. Um, I Bye, Felicia. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> No, for sure they're moving in a different direction. Um, but yeah, I don't... I kind of don't want to turn into a, a rambling mess. But... Uh, you you talk as long as you want. No, I, 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 I won't say too much more. It, it's it, To me, it is... I don't know if it's... It's hard to say if it's like my favorite Batman film. Because the Dark Knight, it's like a perfect. It's so good, right? Um, and technically, that is absolutely it film, is yes. Because right? like, I was yeah. rewatching it, and it really cemented. I'm like, oh, like this film's like a classic. No, oh, yeah, like, like there absolutely. are so many moments and stuff where it's like, 
like, yeah, this is this is a classic. Like, like a no different than uh, you know any other film from like super well known from the fifties or sixties, seventies, eighties, and that kind of stuff. Um, so it's hard to say put up against the Dark Knight. And then, of course, I do have a very soft spot, soft, soft spot for Mask of the Phantasm, but I don't know if I have ever consistently loved, like, the package um, as far as a film goes as the Batman. Like, as the character itself, it's just pitch perfect. The, yeah. I adore the world that they created. Uh, I adore the mystery and sort of the the lesson and the journey that the Batman goes on. It's just fantastic. It's the kind of film that I want to get out of bed and go to to the movies to see. Right, like. Yeah, it makes you love movies again. Again, it's a great time for movies. And I, I think it also is just um, validating for us to like have such faith with Matt Reeves when, when he was first hired on in the first place. He not only met, but I would say even exceeded expectations. Um, it's I, I, I think I shared this tweet with you a long time ago. But it was, uh, I think it was Loverboy Media had tweeted yeah. that... Like the reason why he said something along the lines of the reason why I am so tough on modern blockbusters is because I grew up in the early 2000s era when this was the standard. And it was like, yeah, um, the Pirates films, the Lord of the Rings, uh, the Harry Potter films and like uh, Spider-Man, Sam Raimi. And it's like, yeah, man, like th- that that era. That's our era. That's where we come it, from, basically. The best blockbuster. It, it took advantage of every uh, medium available and just made some all like that's when I was like, fuck, this is as uh, Marty says, cinema. Uh, but then and by the way, those films, those films obviously are resonant to this very oh, day, yeah. even though it's not talked about as much. But like I, I mentioned the story to you like this this week, I was subbing for a class and this is a raucous room of like 50 football players. And they were like jumping up and down with like voting for Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End as their movie to watch for the class period. It was hilarious. <laughs> but also like also just like touching because I love that. Oh, movie. yeah, for sure. I always have loved that Gore- film. And just reassuring to see this film, like all these years later, just be so beloved. Gore Verbinski. When it was ripped to shreds at the at the when it was released. Yeah. A lot of films at that time that were ripped to shreds to me are so much better than ninety percent of the fucking blockbusters. And it's not nostalgia. It's not. No. Um. No. Because and to speak to that, uh, Liverpool Media had a, a recent tweet, uh, quote tweeting that one and saying like. Never mind, you know, this um, new decade has come out swinging with uh, <laughs> with um, pictures of the Batman and Dune. They're basically saying, like, these are the kind of blockbusters I was talking about when I'm like, this yeah. is what I want. And it's true. Both films, by the way, uh, s- uh, same uh, cinematographer, Greg Frazier. Yep. He's about to win an Oscar for he Dune. He absolutely so, deserves yeah. it. Give him all the Oscars. Um. 
but this cements my feeling. Which matters, by the way. Again, cinematography matters very much so, and you see the effect in these movies. And by the way, if you've also been on film Twitter, a lot of the clips from No Way Home have been like getting out there again. And it reminds you of how, ooh, that movie, there were a lot of the movie kind of looks ugly. flat. Flat. Well, flat, and, flat to me is ugly. But um, yeah. again, this film just cements this thing of like, I just have, th- this is my standard for, for what I want. Cause like it should be the standard, be, yeah. And I think it kind of used to be right, and we can we can no, bring yeah. it back. Um, because as much again, I very much had a good time with um, like you said, No Way Home. But it's like, yeah, we should absolutely be calling out the flat, ugly cinematography, right? Oh yeah, for as much as you liked it, as much as we liked it, for but on this is us saying to the rest of you guys that love this film. As much as you loved it, we're telling you there are many ways that film could have been so much better. So much better. And and we're not even getting into like narrative or story or screenplay. No. That's the first place you start. But just like from a from a craft standpoint, so many different ways it could have been improved. If you upon. had the same exact film, but with the level of craft of a Dune or a The Batman or even those old Raimi films, I think I might love that film. I th- I think Absolutely, I might yeah. love that version. That no goes a home. long way to earning some goodwill. Oh, of course. I mean, that's what happened with me in Eternals. Yeah. One of the first things that one of the first olive branches is like, man, this movie looks so beautiful. Because guess what? They shot that in real places. They didn't shoot that in like a parking garage in Atlanta. It, film is a visual medium. Like it, it, it's it's ridiculous to me that this idea that it's like, because I saw people like arguing about like. No Way Home. And then I get, like, it's silly to just keep arguing about the same film over and over. We saw with The Last Jedi. It's like, eh, like, move on to new movies. It's fine. Um, But the arguments that I was like, this is insane. Or or people going like, well, cinematography doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter everywhere. (laughs) I saw that! And it's like, what? (laughs) What? What are you, an Oscar executive? (laughs) But to me, that's like saying, like, I don't know, like, oh, the dialogue doesn't matter. The script doesn't matter. Like, what do you mean it doesn't matter? Like, all that matters is the cameos. All that matters is the fan moments. This is why I'm just so up and done with Marvel stands, with Marvel fans. I'm sorry. I love Marvel movies, too. But you know what? Not as much as you do anymore. Not because for a very whole, a whole host of reasons. And I think to me that in and of itself once again encapsulates how many of these people do not care about the medium of filmmaking or storytelling. They're far more concerned with fanboying gasms and yeah. that's it. But the thing is, imagine how much bigger that fanboy gasm would be if the film was super visually interesting. <laughs> you know, like, like uh, I don't know. That, that's a whole other thing. But I mean, I we're over three hours. I'll I'll, I'll bring it to an end. Um, I cl- very clearly love the Batman. I we're just we're longer than Drive My Car. Yes, we're now longer than Drive My Car, which a film you should all go see. We're going to review it at some point on this show. But again, it just you know what my motto has been, my mantra has been saying this last year on this podcast is for people, especially. With you know that fervently defend the MCU, watch more movies, please. Yes. Just watch different kinds of movies. 
Um, my favorite, my favorite last movie, my, my favorite movie of 2020 was an international film from Denmark. And I would hope that most of us would strive to see different kinds and, of films. And, and Please. you know what? Um, this is the perfect guy to be the, be the one telling you, okay? Because when we first started watching movies together, it was like pulling teeth to get him oh, to yes. watch anything that didn't have the Disney logo behind it. Like it was, you know what? That's true. It was, it was tough. So, so, you know, I was like, okay, well, what, what are some films I know he'll love? Right. And then that's what I, I started sharing. I was like, I know you'll love this film. I you very know much you'll love, <laughs> I know you'll love Pan's Labyrinth. I'll know you love this kind of shit. And then of course, when you, when you, cause when you find something new, you love like, oh my God, like there's more of this out there. Well, let me, yeah. let me keep looking, you know? Um, yeah. So, like, I promise you, just broaden your horizons and you will find a million more things to love. And then also, when your favorite um, superhero film that you've been looking to your whole life to see ends up sucking, it won't be that bad because there'll be other films that come out at that time that you'll love as well, right? So, it's like, uh, I didn't like uh, Rise of Skywalker, but Knives Out kicked ass. So, <laughs> you know, happy, happy, happy life, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I've enjoyed myself uh, <laughs> tonight. A uh, lot of wonderful uh, commentary. Uh, it's nice to have you back on the show. And uh, thank you all for listening. Um, these next few weeks are going to be pretty big so don't miss out under our spotlight here Uh, stay tuned every Sunday a new episode Um, catch you back next time bye